0: Aha! Ladies and gentlemen and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escape. And welcome to Modern Escapism. You will notice that uh, I cannot start podcasts. <laughs> you will notice I cannot start podcasts. <laughs> you notice I can't start podcasts because it's me, Stig, and not Oodles here because he's not very well. So I'm having to uh, take over and I've done such a splendid job of it. I'm just going to keep that in. But join me, me tonight. Uh, she's sassy. She's glamorous. She's always drunk. She's absolutely fabulous, darling. It's Candy.
1: (laughs) Hello, darlings.
0: Hello. Can you have a glass of wine? And a ham sandwich? And a pickle?
2: It's Gadget. I actually don't know what that one is. I don't think I recognise that, but hi. It's from Black Books. Oh, yeah. Each quote.
0: It's Biggie.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and that would happen to me if I was on that show. Yes. It Definitely. would. It,
2: at the point, what's your name? Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Before we get into the show, please consider becoming one of our patrons. If you head to patreon.co.uk forward slash Modern Escapism, you can see everything we do. For as little as one pound, you can support the show, but we'd have a plethora of extra stuff that you can get. If you head to modernescapism.co.uk, you will see everything that we do. So, Biggie, bring us your news. Here he comes. You may already know, but he doesn't. Because it's time
3: for Biggie's breaking, breaking. news. <laughs> <laughs> um, first up, Bitman Books. Um, oh, I've done it as well. Bitmap Ma- Bit Ma- <laughs> <laughs> Books.
2: <laughs> Bitman. i had to fall into bits today,
3: haven't I? <laughs> 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 Yes, Bitmap Books. have had to pull their Mega Drive Genesis Visual Compendium after a legal threat from, guess what, Sega. Yes, the next in the Visual Compendium series, which would have included the Master System, as well as NES, NES, and Amiga, was supposed to be focused on the Mega Drive and Genesis. However, Bitmap Books owner Sam Dyer has today stated that the book will not be published due to the threat of legal action, which is a fucking bummer, because their books are awesome if you haven't seen them. Yeah, their books are really do some great research, some great images. The books are fantastic collector's items. I've got an adventure series one from them. It was it, really good.
2: It, it seems a yeah. weird thing for them to do, especially considering that the, there is a Master System one out there, and they're fine with that.
3: Yeah, it's just, you know, it's for the fans. It's basically celebrating their brand. It's not doing anything derogatory to it. I just don't understand. Maybe Sega are planning something
2: like that themselves? Like, visual Maybe. history novel or something
3: which you could understand i think somebody mentioned it might have something to do with licensing like, uh, images and stuff i don't know but yeah really sad to have uh, read that
1: i'm just reading looking at these books now they look amazing why did you tell me about this i'm gonna have to buy them uh, now
3: yeah candy it don't, so good.
2: don't I've, I've got one of them and i had to resist getting more well because oh, <laughs> as well all their all their gaming ones are based around the time that when we were kids it's all yeah. kind of eighties, nineties, early 2000s stuff they do.
3: I love my retro stuff. I'm the same. I've had to stop looking into getting those, but I've got the Vita <laughs> one coming, and the oh, and the uh, PS3 one. Yeah, oops.
2: There's a <laughs> yeah, there's a point and click adventure one that I want that I'm having a resist. Yeah, I've got for, that. that's like fifty quid it's or something.
3: I just want all those nice pictures of Monkey Island. Uh, next up, developers have le- uh, been left out of the Callisto Protocol credits. Um, and have accused striking distance of playing favourites. When they were asked about this snub, one source told a publication, it stings not to see their work credited. They went on to say, it sucks. I made a good amount of contribution and worked on it for a, a length of time. They stated, to not just be there at all is shitty. One former developer said they would understand if someone such as a contractor did not receive credit for their work on a game if it had only been for a small amount, for a few months' work, and they were let off. However, in this case, the same source stated they were affected for full-time employees with over a year invested in the title and had a hand in significant parts of the product.
1: Mm. I read about this. It's it's more than just a little bit shitty and a bit stingy because they were saying that it's it was almost like a loyalty thing, wasn't it? Like, oh, you didn't do enough overtime, so you're not getting a credit. But the thing yeah, is, you know, yeah. if you've put a year of your work into something, you need it's. It seems like a petty thing if you're just a player you know, you're not going to read all the names. But actually, if you're a dev in the gaming industry, it's really important to have your name in the credits because it goes, you know, it goes towards your CV and everything. It could literally hinder people's futures in the gaming industry not being in there.
0: I think you should have anything in the credits if you've you've been involved in any of it, from Mm -hmm. tiniest detail to the major part of it. You've done some work on that project. You should have your name in the credits. So, yeah. Yeah. If whatever you've done, like if it doesn't matter, as long as it's something you've done is part of that,
3: then why, why shouldn't you be credited for it? Well, exactly. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the Callisto pro- uh, protocol, it's also been reported that it's had disappointing sales numbers. Failing to recoup a reported $162 million budget. This has caused investors in publisher Crafton to lower their target stock prices in response. I need to know. I mean...
2: What fucking idiot... Had a game budget of one hundred and sixty million for a single player game. Like control was what? fifty million. that's one of the best looking games ever been released. Like how, you know,
0: uh, how uh, just from what you said, like if you are going to spend that much money on high, some good writers.
2: <laughs> well, it's it, it's also the fact that it's a it's a seven a six to ten hour single player game with no replay value. Like what are they spending all that on? They didn't build their own engine for it. It's using Unreal. I think. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on Unreal Engine. It spent uh, it all
1: on death scenes. Well, no, they didn't, because <laughs> there's not that many of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, on, it's on Unreal 5. So. Uh, sorry, no, it's on Unreal 4, all this. So it's not even on Unreal 5, so it's. I, I don't get it. I don't get where all this money has gone. Is this a money laundering thing for Glenn Schofield? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, obviously, yeah, there's some, there's, there's some top-tier actors in there, but only really three of them, you know, and Josh Duhamel, um, Karen, is Karen Fukuyama, and um, Sam Witwer. Like, it's not full Hollywood, so I, I don't know where the money's gone. Unless they like built the game and then scrapped it and made something else.
3: (laughs) I mean, for comparison, Resident Evil Village, the eighth entry in the uh, franchise, managed six million units in its first six months, despite the profile of the franchise and strong reviews. And I mean, you know, looking at um, the scores that have been listed here as well, because I know Gadget absolutely adores the game. Across Mm. the media, uh, Clister Protocols received a wide range of scores, including a nine out of 10 from PC Games N. 7 out of 10 from IGN and a 5 out of 10 from GameSpot so mm-hmm. it certainly uh, had mixed reviews didn't it
2: yeah because it's not what was promised
3: and no, the story was in the podcast wasn't it
2: pretty much yeah yeah, well, yeah well, that, that that was the that, that was the best bit of it the bloody podcast before it started <laughs> the podcast, <with> the podcast <laughs> was really
0: good some I mean, really good um, uh, audio on it yeah on it. like some of the, yeah really maybe good. that me-
2: Maybe that's where the hundred and sixty million went. Gwendolyn Christie needed a new boot or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they spent a lot
0: of it just on the promo, like stuff, and the actual Actually, to,
2: game. To be fair, the marketing was ridiculous on that game. It was all over the fucking place.
0: Yeah, you should expect it to have sold better with that much marketing.
2: Yeah, but I think then the, the, all the reviews came out for it, and everyone was like, "Oh, now nah, we'll just we'll let it mm. go. We'll wait till it goes on." Game Pass or PSN, which is the oh, sensible way to When it's on Game
0: Pass, I'll be playing it. <laughs>
2: yeah. like I, 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 I sent my copy down to Oodles for him to play because he was curious on it, and he, he messaged us. He said, I've played an hour of it. What the fuck is this game?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, um, as I was going to say, the, um, this pod is all about facts, and we stand by our facts, but I've been asked to retract a certain statement, so the <laughs> PS5 vertical issue... Reporters claimed that unopened consoles, originally interpreted as unopened inbox consoles, left in the vertical orientation for too long, could potentially see the liquid metal drip down the side of the motherboard and potentially damage the console. The problem is still real, but there's no evidence that it happens on consoles that have been sitting in their box. This was a bit of a misunderstanding. So if you've been shaking your PS5 around and moving it and all this sort of things, then potentially that could still happen, but you probably oh. have been kicking it about a bit. Potenti-
2: potentially he's doing so much heavy lifting there. That's doing more oh, lifting than Eddie yeah. Hall. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Want to get ripped? Lift the PlayStation 5. <laughs> well, I mean, true, yeah. yeah. Repeatedly.
2: Put me, put me back out last time I moved the living room around. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, up, next up, we got Ubisoft have cancelled three unannounced games and have delayed Skull and Bones for, yes, the sixth time.
2: It's never Company. coming out. Was it It's <laughs> come out in,
0: like,
3: 2017.
2: It was meant to come out before <laughs> Sea of Thieves. Wow. Because <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> c- 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 that was a joke, because both Sea of Thieves and Skull and Bones were announced at the same E3, if I remember rightly. So that was the whole thing. Is Oh, 2017 it's going to be the year of the pirate. It's like, no, it wasn't... <laughs> Because Sea of Thieves was dead on arrival when it first arrived, it's good now. And Skull and Bones has been delayed for six years. <laughs> mm, is it just an Assassin's I mean, Creed spin-off? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't think you, I don't think you even get to do I mean, the fun pirating the stuff. Assets. Do you just sail around?
2: It's it, it it's it's basically an entire game built out of the Assassin's Creed 4 uh, naval battle system.
1: And that was the worst bit. I liked it, but it was, yeah, I, mean, I hate them. Yeah.
2: Sea of Thieves is good though. It's it's, it, 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 it's actually wonderful how shit Ubisoft are doing at the minute because, like, they've just been rinsing the same. Um, it's the same game every time with a different skin. Far Cry 6 is Far Cry 5. You know, and it's just like, yeah, fine.
1: They do churn out games quick, though, don't they? Like, an Assassin's Creed every, like, year or so is pretty impressive.
2: It's been every two years now. I don't think it's impressive. I think it's crunch. Yeah, I think what's the human cost yeah. of all that? But like, what, yeah. what Watch Dogs Watch Dogs Legion didn't fucking do anything. I miss the days of it of t- early two thousands Ubisoft when they were actually a creative company and they did really weird and interesting shit.
1: Mm. What happened to Prince of Persia as well? The the uh, remake of the first one is that ever going to come out?
2: Probably not. It's probably but maybe it'll come out after Skull and Bones. God. <laughs> but even then they announced that it looked like a fucking PS3 game. It was like, yep, yeah, this is the PS5 generation, mate. Put some fucking polygons in his face.
0: What have they got? Just, just looking, looking through, so they basically just do Tom Clancy's, yeah. um, Assassin's far Creed, Just Dance, and Ray Far Charles. Cry.
2: Yeah, like like the, the the Division two has been out for far too long now. Like they could do with announcing Division three. Yeah, because like I know you I'll said, Biggie that. Big that they do seasons and stuff like that, but it's not really new content, is it? It's just no, it, it, it's do. just
3: more stuff to do. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's it's more stuff in the game, but it's not anything added as such. It's not DLC really or anything like that. Yeah, and for a live service, they are going to do they going to do a free to play division at some point. That's been in beta, I think, for a while.
2: I think that's probably for the Chinese market to win it. Less, not yeah. really. So. Yeah, like Ubisoft just seem to be trying to milk the same franchises, and they just can't do anything with it. Did they do *Marion Rabbids*? They did, and they, yeah. they've also they've also said like that new one, that *Sparks of Whatever* it is, the one that just came out, yeah, as as massively underperformed compared to the first one. Oh dear. So I think that's probably unfortunately, and I know Kurt will be sad about this. I think that's probably going to be the last one of them they do. I'm
0: the because those games Rayman are
2: good. They, did. they did Rayman, man, don't they? Yeah, they do Rayman, but they haven't done a Rayman since
0: Rayman Legends. Legends, yeah, it could do with a new Rayman. Give us a new Rayman on like a PS5 or Xbox or something. It'd look oh, fucking great. Imagine how, good, imagine, how, imagine how good one a, a new current
2: gen Rayman would look. Absolutely.
3: Last one was amazing.
2: I mean, mm. yeah, Ray, Rayman Legends is great. It's one of the best platformers I've ever played. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Assassin's Creed. Yay. <laughs> 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 I'm sure they're good. I just never got into them. The 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 Etio game, Assassin's Creed 2 and the kind of the two sequels that came from that one are fucking brilliant. Um but the rest of the series is very hit and miss. Last
1: oh, I, three think, I think they're really just good. fine
2: the
0: RPG ones. Valhalla yeah, they, Origins and Odyssey. Yeah. They're just too big for me. I just t- feel overwhelmed straight away when I'm playing Valhalla. Mm. Yeah,
2: they're they're too big and they have very little to do with assassining anyway. They're just kind of
3: <laughs> You're gonna love the Witcher 3 then.
2: Yeah, but The Witcher 3 doesn't spam you with icons from the first time
3: you step into the game. Not quite, but it it can get that way. Next. I forgot I had to do that. Next up. A prominent games archivist, VG Densetsu, has dumped over 11 gigabytes of amassed rare content, including photos, scans of articles, videos, in-development footage, concept arts, cancelled games, and stuff like that. The data has been collected over years through various existed and deleted sources. And the archive contains information concerning retro to recently released titles. In development, images about cancelled games have included the Streets of Rage remake and a Half-Life 2 episode 3 have been located in the archive by people having a little sniff around. The Giant Archive is available to download for everyone in forms of Ra or Torrents on the uh, Internet Archive site.
2: Good on him. Happy
0: nice about to work, that. man.
1: Oh, I'm not
3: happy
0: about hearing about Half-Life
2: Episode 3, though. Well, You knew, you, you knew that we were going to have be been making it. There have been a few people kind of leaked stuff like what the story for Half-Life Episode 3 was going to be, and they could just never make it work in a way that felt right, so they just didn't I've, I've do never,
0: it. I've never read anything up about it, just just to be I'll, after, after we careful. The,
2: after, after, after we finish this recording, I'll find it. Someone re- released like an early draft of what, what the script was going to be, and I'll send it to you. It sounds like it would have been really good. Yeah.
0: To be honest, the gameplay was the thing that pulled me through Half-Life. True, yeah.
3: So, It's awards season is in full swing, and some notable Golden Globe highlights in uh, film and TV. So Michelle Yeoh, um, actress in musical or comedy motion picture for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, well-deserved. She had a nice speech as well. You saw that?
2: Yeah, she yeah, did. Yeah, she did.
0: I loved Jimmy Lee Curtis's reaction as well. Mm.
3: Yeah. She was a big
2: fuck yeah, wasn't it? She?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a queen. I love
2: her. Oh, I love I love how little of a fuck that she gives these days. Yeah. But it was it was really nice to see Michelle Yeo get it and, and also in her speech to point out like how difficult it is to be an Asian actor, actor in Hollywood. Yeah. I tried to play her off,
3: but she's like, I'll oh, kick your ass. They <laughs> <laughs> tried to play it a few times as well, and people just ignored yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of beautiful speeches, um, Ki-Hu Kwan, um, supporting action, a motion picture for everything, everywhere, all at once. I was he really- gave a lovely one as well.
2: I was yeah. nearly in fucking tears watching him. I, yeah,
3: I, very sweet.
2: I, I, I did read an interesting fact about um, about that. So Ki-Hu has been... Um, Nominated 33 times for Best Supporting Actor, and he's won every single time. Mm. 32 of those times were for uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once.
1: <laughs> oh, wow.
2: <laughs> and the other one was for Indiana Jones. <laughs> 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 but he's won it every single time he's been nominated for it in he every just,
0: award. Yeah. Stepped away, didn't he, for so long and yeah. decided
3: to come it's back? It's so weird, then... isn't it? He's such a standout character in Hollywood politics. Yeah. Really? Yeah, uh, it just, just stopped him going wrong anywhere. Wrong time, wrong place. You know.
2: Yeah. Like his his IMDb is far too short for how good an actor
0: he is. He's worked yeah. on stuff um behind the scenes. He's helped out on things. He's done like stunt coordinated work as well. Um He yeah. worked on one of the X Men films, and he actually is he's going to be in Loki season two as well. So he's come that, off the yeah. success of this and gone straight and been brought into the MCU. So good on him. Hopefully, All big dessert. things for him for the rest of his
3: career going forward. And that is a beautiful segue for the next one. It so is. Angela Bassett, uh, supporting actress in a motion picture, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and it's the first ever win in the MCU universe for an Oscar. Hmm. All right, Golden, uh, Oscar Globe. for an award. Yeah, Golden, Golden Globe. Globe. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: she uh, she's great in that film. Honestly, she's probably one of. Oh, the, she's great. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she gets she gets much more to do in that film than she does in the first film for like obvious reasons with kind of Chadwick's passing. If I were to rejig the script and and bring forward, you know, some of these characters, but because she's, her character is literally going through just ultimate loss of what happened with the snap and what happened with that T'Challa's now died. She's been put in charge and everything. She's just, she's an absolute powerhouse in that film. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that she's, that she's won this at all. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because she, she didn't have a very big part in the first one, did she? I really? Forgotten she, I'd forgotten she was in it.
3: Yeah,
0: but she's like front and, uh, and center for a good chunk of this film.
3: Isn't that coming to Disney Plus this month, next month? Or yeah, what? I think so. Yeah, think it's going very quickly, which is good. Nice. am yeah. oh, hoping
0: you that mean. once Oodles has watched it, we're going to do a bit of a phase four, four. Yeah, phase four roundup because
3: so there's a few shows and stuff that we missed towards the back end of it. Next up, the Fablemans and Banshees of Inchirin, uh winner of best pictures for drama and comedy, straight musical, respectfully, uh, front runners for the Oscars as well. It's going to yeah. be a
2: packed Oscars this year because there's a, there's a lot of things in contention now.
3: Yeah, I've not
0: seen Fablemans yet because it's not out here, but um, Banshees of Insherin is, is fantastic. I'm Colin Farrell. Yeah, I'd like for, to watch that for his um, for his role in it as well. Yeah, it's on did, Disney Plus,
2: yeah. I think. It's on one of the services
0: now. I've yeah. seen people on stream. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on Disney Plus now. It's brilliant. It's really good. Just Yeah, definitely everyone should watch it. Yeah, I mean, there was a few others in there. Like Austin Butler won for Elvis, which I thought was pretty much nailed yeah. on. Yeah. Mm. Since watching the film, I was like, he yeah, he's going to be up there for best leading lead actor. So he's like one of the front runners, him and Colin Farrell, like for the Oscar.
3: And again, it's. It, he doesn't quite look like as Ez- I can't get the words out today. Doesn't he doesn't quite look, look like, Elvis, like Elvis. but He has all the mannerisms. He, out. he just does in the movie. It's an incredible performance. Yeah. He deserves it just for that, really. Yeah. Uh, next up, Luther the movie has been given an official release date of the twenty fourth of February in cinemas and tenth of March in Netflix. Um, I really enjoyed the TV series. Really, really enjoy. Uh, that gives me that.
0: two months to get the TV series watched. It's doable. Really good. That, if you, have you
3: not seen it at all?
0: No, but it's, on my, it's been on my list for so long. And it's like, right, now there's a movie coming out. It's like, right, do the TV show so you can watch the movie when it comes
3: out. I think the first season is incredible. Um, quality differs a little bit after that. I think season two was pretty good. Um, but, you know, yeah, really good watchable TV show. Yeah, well,
0: Idris Elba is, you know, nine times out of
3: ten. great, so yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get it watched. Uh, interestingly, uh, Deadpool film director Tim Miller has taken over Borderlands reshoots from Ellie Roth. Apparently, Ellie Roth wasn't fired. He was busy apparently doing other stuff, but well, it still Ellie. makes you wonder why they get somebody else in to do reshoots.
2: Is Would that, would that be Eli's sister?
4: <laughs> He's done it again!
2: <laughs> I mean... I mean, yeah these these things these things happen. Eli Roth is a, is a, is a man who can't not work, so mm. he's gone off to do something else, and there'll just be some reshoots for special effect shots or a bit of dialogue here and there, and they'll just
1: it's, it's quite normal, isn't it? It's not like it needs to be. It's necessarily it's, in development hell. Although yeah. there has been a trailer out for it for some time that was showed to a closed audience, and this came out about six to eight months ago, and we haven't seen it yet, so I'm yeah. maybe a little bit concerned. Mm. Well, that's
2: probably why they're doing reshoots. I didn't now know as well that. Mm. What what is actually what is slightly unusual about it, however, is that it's like a re, like a big name director doing the reshoots, as opposed because it's normally like your your second your second director, isn't it? Your assistant director doing. Yeah. It. Mm. So I, I guess the the fact that it's Tim Miller doing it is a little bit notable, but we'll just see what comes out of it. I, mean, I think it, it could be
1: in better hands, could it, with him? Really.
2: True. It's gonna be one of those films that's either gonna be brilliant or shite. So yeah. No middle ground on this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was hoping we'd see a trailer at the Game Awards. But there we go. Maybe
2: maybe E3. Maybe yeah. this
1: is
0: this is why. As if realize uh, that didn't work, we're gonna have to redo some stuff.
3: Next. Next up, Gina Carano is getting trolled as her latest film, Terror on the Prairie, makes eight hundred and four dollars at the bottom. <laughs> 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 As a result of her return, uh, the actress has received backlash on social media, naturally for her theatrical performance, with one user claiming that she didn't bring much to the role. The user took to Twitter and shared his review of the film and wrote, The movie wasn't terrible, but it was very simple, and honestly, she didn't bring much to the role. One time watch. Another user wrote, Sorry, sad how she pissed away. Such potential to make boring schlock. Another said, Gina Carano's first big release post-Mando exit. One user said, um, people, oh, 67 people paid to see the movie. And one user shared a meme and wrote, "Go woke, go broke." Well, that's
0: the thing, isn't it? Like, I'm not. I mean, I do like a lot of Disney stuff, but I don't want to be a shill for them. But like, everyone seems to think that you, they can go against Disney, mm. and you can't. I'm sorry. Like,
2: if it's literally biting the hand that feeds you. Make yourself yeah. a toxic personality. Disney will drop you for yeah. all of their faults. <laughs>
0: They're all like oh people now just like oh Disney does this and that and you know there's like there was a meme going around saying oh like every Disney film now and it had like either a person of colour or a gay person in it. It's like and like
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, Historically but th- they
1: have a little bit to make up for.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. So they were just like peop people on that side are kind of like, Oh now Disney are going work, they're losing loads of business. Like, no, they're not. No, yeah. they really aren't. So it's they, they, yeah, their share prices may go up and down. That, that's what that's happens what with companies which is, who who sit on the stock do. market. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just uh, you aren't going to beat Disney. So, yeah, whatever.
2: The um, the 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 synopsis for the film is wonderfully short on IMDb. Um, <laughs> it's it's in fact it is a single line. When IMDb decides to refresh and load it up for me, because it's running slow. Uh, on the Montana Plains, a frontier woman must protect herself against a ruthless gang of outlaws hell bent on revenge. That's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say that the review was the one line wonderfully short. <laughs> wonderfully short, 10 out of I 10. Mean,
2: I, I mean, the top, the featured user review title is Oh my God, unsympathetic protagonist and dumb plot. So yeah, I mean that, that that's Gina Carano's career entirely, isn't it? cuz like, cuz yeah. she she did that one, she she did she's done another film which is like supposed to be a Hunter Biden or something like that with Lawrence Fox and it's right wing insanity.
0: I watched
3: the trailer and it just <laughs> looks awful. Oh, no.
0: It looks like a satire and parody, but the fact that it isn't yeah. is just insane. But
2: oh, we shall I'm not gonna... go there on no. this podcast. But I'm very happy to see people fuck their careers because they can't keep the gob shut.
3: (laughs) Next. I've been trying it for ages. (laughs) (laughs) We can suck it if you want to. I know. Uh, The Witcher Blood Origin has uh, got the worst Rotten Tomato score in the franchise's history. Uh, It's now streaming on Netflix. But the prequel to the popular Witcher series is currently Netflix's number one show, but isn't winning over the fans or the critics. What it's sitting shame. currently at 30% out of 24 critic ratings. Mm-hmm. And the audience score is even worse at just 8% out of more than 1,500 <sighs> users.
1: Ooh. Oops. That's anyone here watched it?
0: No, because nope. when the reviews no, all came in, I was
2: just like, nah, it's
0: pointless. Even
1: before the reviews, I had no desire to watch it particularly.
2: I I was. I was excited to watch it because I just liked the idea of, um, of like Michelle Yeoh in that, in that world, mm. and like it was supposed to be the to- story of the conjunction of the spheres when you know humans came to the world and monsters came to the world and like the elves having to respond to that. I thought, oh, this will be a great idea, and then I read a review of it. I was like, oh no, oh no, 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 that's not happening. Apparently, the footage that they recorded was so bad. Or missing so many bits of it, they they cut it down to change the story to make sense, and that's why it's only four episodes. It was supposed to be six to
3: eight.
1: Another one that's wonderfully short. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> ten out of ten.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he uh, the, maybe the last season of The Witcher left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth for whatever reason, and I'm just not excited for its future, and especially like with what's transpired with old Henner's kind of gonna say, I was, show.
2: I was going to say the next series has obviously left a bad taste in his mouth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, oh well. One season was good.
2: I liked both, but whatever. I I did like the second series, but I understand where people didn't like it.
0: It was, was it, a bit strange. It actually, had a bloody narrative that actually made sense. It wasn't just popping all over the place. It's what annoyed me in the first series. He, I mean, Garrett was, was like over was a... there doing something, and the next episode he was somewhere else. Like I
2: mean, The narrative for Series 1 makes sense. You just need to have one of those Pepe Silver boards up there with all the lines connecting each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what next happens team. when you base a TV series on short stories.
3: Uh, sadly, the world of music has been rocked by the uh, loss of Jeff Beck, one of the most influential rock guitars of all time, died at the age of 78 this week. Very sad. The uh, British musician raised the famous part of the Yardbirds who replaced Eric Clapton before forming the Jeff Beck Group with Rod Stewart. Apparently his tone, presence, and above all volume redefined guitar music in the 1960s and influenced movements like heavy metal, jazz rock, and even punk.
2: Oh yeah, Jeff Beck was one of the greatest guitarists of all time and not enough people in popular music knew of him.
3: Um I don't know, I've probably heard stuff but not realised.
2: He's he's done some incredible work over the years. I think the one that always sticks out to me is was his cover of Ness and Dorma, which he did for the Olympics, I think. It was fucking beautiful. But he was he was just one of those players, he's like he's he's the guitarist's guitarist. I ask any of the like Jimmy Page was a great rock player, Jimi Hendrix was a great blues and rock player, Jeff Beck was a great guitarist, he could do anything. Anything he put his mind to he could play. And I think that's what stood him above everybody else. And also, you know, he was the best guitarist in the Yardbirds because he replaced Eric Clapton. Because fuck Eric Clapton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was v- very sad. Yeah, I was very sad. And, and, and it, it was very sudden as well because he, he, he was touring last year. Mm-hmm. But he contracted, I think it was bacterial meningitis.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, God. Oh, so, yeah, poor guy. Very huge loss for music. Uh, finally, for the uh, weird world of uh, news, um, a man bought a storage unit in the USA, uh, once discovered that instead of some stuff that he could flog, he found the bodies of a murdered family.
0: What is Jesus George- fucking Christ. <laughs>
3: <laughs> George Geni bought the u- unit near Seattle in 1992, hoping to find something interesting and potentially valuable. He was fascinated as to why the storage unit had been untouched for 12 years while still being paid for. In the end, he clipped open the lock, raised the doors and started digging for treasure. Once inside, he started to get rid of some heavy plastic that was covering everything before getting through to three f- uh, sorry, a three feet thick layer of old clothes. It was at that point, he started to notice a foul smell. Disgusted, he kept on going, eventually discovering a bin bag that contained a human skull. He immediately called the police. Eventually, the medical team were able to ent- identify the bodies of a 36-year-old Barbara Bender and her two sons who'd been missing for 12 years. Lender, along with 15-year-old Mark and 8-year-old Brian, had been killed by blows to the head. Police also found a hatchet with blood and hair on the inside of the locker as well.
2: Mate, Barbara you're supposed to find for...
3: you're supposed to find weird bits of news, not bleak bits of news. <laughs>
2: this, <laughs> this is, is weird. from 1990 fucking two.
3: No. This <laughs> I'm is, through it. Biggie's breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is current stuff. This is the fact it's been opened all this time. Barbara filed for divorce from her husband the day before she disappeared and was last seen loading up a van. The police have apparently arrested her husband, Mark. He was the person that rented the locker. He confessed to it and he's received three life sentences for three counts of first degree murder. He was sentenced to at least 80 years. Speaking about the gory scene that he discovered, Jenna I said, I was in Vietnam. I've seen this before. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs>
2: How this well, that was this supposed
3: to end? The guy just to sentenced on. to something. <laughs> no. no, I just thought it was an interesting story.
1: <laughs> it's not. Books. somebody call someone?
3: That's <laughs> well, a true <laughs> crime podcast. <laughs> oh, be. It's
2: a weird are are you, story. Are you trying to get the middle-aged woman market involved in here? Just in, in, in putting in some true crime here and there.
1: <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to get, get my box that. wine.
3: It was either that or another pizza box with oiled face of Jesus on it. I mean, what more can I, I I would do? have taken
1: the oily Jesus. <laughs> what? Why didn't you do <laughs> the Podcast oily title. Jesus
0: one? <laughs> oily Jesus. That's, that's current and weird and wonderful.
3: <laughs> oh, sorry, listeners.
1: Did you say oily Jesus
3: or oily cheeses? Oily Jesus. <laughs> it's either that or another weird rebel, isn't it? It's just we've already done that. Someone said it looked more like Joe Wilkinson,
0: and everyone's been like spamming him on his uh, Twitter with it. <laughs> and like photoshopping the pizza box, on, pizza box onto uh, pictures of him.
3: <laughs> Lovely.
0: Oh, right. Should we try and pick ourselves up after that <laughs> awful news of a brutal family murder? Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. Right, listeners, we're going to head into the Nexus where we discuss what we've been doing this week. Um, I should go first, if that's all right. Go on, friend. Uh so I'd done nothing this week until yesterday, where I decided to spend a few hours of my time to go and see Avatar 2, The Way of Water.
3: Ooh, ooh. You we'll
0: see. Are you ready? Have I'm you taken ready. one for the team? Hang on. So Strappin'. O- Oodles has watched this, which is a shame that he's off. Uh he, I know he watched it Silver Christmas. Um Yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> that good honestly um so i was never like massive on avatar 1 like did it look amazing yes it does look amazing it was like groundbreaking technology and it kind of sparked the whole revival of 3d again but i always found the story and the script really lacking um it is essentially just <coughs> a retelling of pocahontas dances with wolves that kind of thing and it's the same problem with this one for me unfortunately uh it just i just didn't like the story and the script some of the characters grated on me um is the stuff i did like there is actually moments that are really great there is a scene in the middle like <laughs> let me start again I'll set up the scene with this is Jake Sully has now got a family Him and Nateri, this is several years after the humans have picked up and gone off and back away and he's now got a family. He's got four children, three of his own, and one of them is a Immaculate Conception from Sigourney Weaver's avatar. Um, And no one knows who the father is, but her avatar seemed to give birth to this girl called Kiri. So Jake Sully and his family have adopted her and raised her as their own. There is a few humans who stayed behind who kind of and decided to stay with the Navi, and there is a young boy called Spider, who is the son of Stephen Lang's character from the first film. But because he was a baby at the time, he couldn't be sent back to Earth in Cryogen, so he stayed behind. So, But he is basically being raised like Tarzan, you know, within the jungle, raised. with the creatures, with the people. He's basically a little, a little Tarzan. That's where we're at. That's where we're at with this film. And all of a sudden... Blue cat smurfs, yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden the sky people come back and decide to come back and wage war as they look for something. Uh, <laughs> so Jake Sully is now the leader of the Navi resistance attacking the humans and their bases and their like whatever they're doing. So that just set so that sets up a whole war again between the humans and the Navi but this time Stephen Lang is back again this is all like the, the plot synopsis this is not spoiled it's all kind of right at the beginning all within the sit like within the opening kind of credits okay. Stephen Lang is back despite being killed in the first film because <laughs> now all of their memories have been transferred into avatars so now all the marines from the first films are now avatars of Navi's in this film right okay so nothing there is spoiled. That is all within the trailer, all within the first couple of minutes in the setup.
2: But does that explain why I've seen a screenshot of a Navi wearing US commando outfits? Yes. <laughs> I was wondering what that was. I thought, that looks a bit shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: So now let's get back into what I don't like about this film. Uh, so that's the setup. And from there, we have three hours of them fighting at the beginning. They go off, they join this other clan who are these water navies or whatever they're called. They they unlike that they're not forest people, they're people who live on the beaches and they have they know the way
2: of the water. Mm-hmm. So they
0: can like breathe longer underwater, they can like they're one with the fish and one with the sea creatures. And Jake and his family kind of get adopted into them. And it's just becomes a bit of a it's kind of split into three. We have this big battle at the beginning. We have all this section in the middle while, the, while the, all the children and Jake and everyone learn and the way of the water. And then we have this like cat and mouse game between the Marines and that later on. But it's just, it's just bad. Like the the technology is fantastic. It really is. There are moments in this film, stuff like water, like genuinely the water looks real. Um just woodlands and stuff like It looks incredible. But you'd expect that because that's what they've spent the last 12 years working on. It's, yeah. like, it's unmatched by anything. Like the, the motion capture, the facial features, like it is better than anything I've ever seen. It is incredible. But it also has an issue where when you introduce humans into this world, is that they start to look a bit weird and fake. Because <laughs> they're humans dumped into this like CGI world. Yeah. And it looks really weird. So that that so it, like- it,
2: it's always the lighting, isn't it? The lighting's always off on the humans when everything when everything else around Ooh. you is virtual, humans yeah. are never lit properly for the scene.
0: Yeah. So whilst I think that it's it does look good with all like the fake creatures and the like, fake animals and wildlife and scenery and that, that looks great. Mixing it with humans and everything, it can be a bit off-putting. But like the problem with for this film, apart from it being it's ponderous, it drags, um it's way too long, like I've said before that i don't care if a film is long if it makes sense and if yeah. it earns that length, this really doesn't. it needs a good like forty five minutes chop chopping out of it, which is weird because
2: Cameron thinks that it's too short, he thinks oh, it should have been longer <laughs> um Cameron, Cameron James Cameron's always needed a good editor, and he's never had one
0: yeah, the problem with Cameron is that like the guy when it comes to technology and direction. And editing and certain parts of like cinematography and all that, he's brilliant. Yeah. Like I mean, not the editing side, sorry. Like he doesn't need an editor, but like when it comes to certain things, he's fantastic. But his dialogue, if he's writing the script and in charge of stuff like that, I don't think he's that good. Like there's the there's, some of the dialogue in this is awful, and the way that the, that the kids talk to each other, like kids of nowadays. Like they use a lot of bros and call it the college of a bro and cuz right that's not a joke like they caught they go yo bro yeah let's go mm. cuz where these, are they learning where are they learning that from i would
2: say these alien creatures yeah, who it, it
0: really took me out of it every time <laughs> they use the word bro cuz the only person within their kind of living around is who knows that language is their dad and some of the humans who stayed behind but there are all people who wouldn't use that dialogue like he wouldn't call his kids yeah. bro and cuz. No, They've got YouTube. Yeah, and it just yeah
2: <laughs> space it, space YouTube.
0: It just felt YouTube. really jarring, especially when you go to the children from the other tribe and they speak like you'd expect for these you know these weird creatures from another planet in these tribes. The kind the way they talk to each other is not like this, and it yeah I just. It succumbs to a lot of tropes, especially with the younger child. I don't want to get into spoilers, but there's parts to do with the young girl of the family, which she, she you know, the, you know what I'm talking about, captured and falling off right, things okay, and all okay, that okay. kind of stuff. Yeah. She, she becomes the punching bag. Yeah. It's just, I just couldn't get into it. I've so bored throughout a lot of this film. I really was. Um, I know people. I don't love remember it. much from the I know the first it's massive. Movie. I mm. know it's nearly two billion dollars now, and I think a lot of that was having the fan base that it did have, but also interest. I went to see this film because I was so interested in what it was meant to be doing. You know, when we, you know, we had Craig on uh, for our horror month. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. loved this film, and he's like, "I don't see how you can be a lover of cinema if you don't go and watch this film." Like, it's a technical marvel. It's fantastic. It is a technical marvel. But everything else is just a massive turn off for me. Like the whole space marines fighting them, and it's, it's the same thing over and over again. It's like, it's the same story from the first one. Just people, the marines and humans fighting indigenous people.
1: So it's a tech yeah. demo. Yeah,
3: it's, yeah. Yeah. The, he just does expensive Unreal 5 engine sort yeah. of demos, isn't it? Yeah. That's all he does because I, I, it, it's, I think he's incredible for what he, like, he says, like the technical side, what he can do and show. Because I remember being blown away by the first movie, just the 3D effects, because it was the first time it really looked like it was doing what it was supposed to. It was incredible. But yes. other I that I don't remember anything about the movie at all. And we've waited all this time for a sequel, and it's the same thing all over again.
2: The thing is, has anybody been waiting for the sequel? Other than James no, Thomas? but
3: in the sense like, that it, he's it, saying he's going to do it, and it's taken, like, what, 12 years, did you say?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean the, the market's there for it. It's on on track oh, yeah. to be like the fourth highest grossing film of all time. But I do think a lot of that is people being interested in what this technology is like 12 mm. years on. And if I'm being honest, like the 3D aspect of it hasn't moved on much at all, like but everything else has. Like yeah. the detail and the minute details have moved on. I not really bothered about 3D. Um I if I ever go and actually see the third film, I, I don't know if I will be bothered to go see the third film. I'm, I I, think I will be quite happy to wait and watch that on my nice TV at home because the 3D just didn't sell me. Mm. There are nice moments with it where you have like kind of, you know, when there's something's burning and bits of ash and stuff is like floating around and stuff and it's vibrant and things like that. But I just, um, it's a story, the story and the dialogue just, didn't grip me at all there are moments in this film that actually were quite emotionally effective there is a um, scene which is very much kind of you are doing this to our earth now and it it does a good job of making you actually feel uncomfortable and quite guilty about what we're doing on earth I'm not involved in it but as a human being it makes you feel quite guilty like what they do in this film the humans and there is a moment involving the family which i thought was actually really super effective and quite emotional so there are bits in there that are really really good but it's just surrounded by a lot of flab and like things that just aren't good like, it really really needed like the script the dialogue the editing just needed one big massive go over so yeah i it's a 3 out of 5 film for me um stories 2 out of 5 Visuals five out of five. I met somewhere in the middle.
3: So, yeah, Avatar. All right. But not very good. <laughs> 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 and isn't he planning a third, fourth, and th- yeah, fifth, it's third to be one's to be in production?
2: Syncology but- or something like that?
0: Third one's ready to come out in um, 2024 if everything goes to plan. This will be focusing more on. Kind of internal and tribal feuds and other like species around the planet rather than it just being humans versus indigenous people again or indigenous aliens. So I'm quite looking forward to that aspect moving away from just human space marines versus aliens and have it more of a let's discover this whole alien world and they're going to touch on fire, apparently, is what he said. So
3: fire, they just Nav, need to fire Na'vi. There's actual basically. original aliens in there as well. Get them in. Yeah. <laughs> just, get the xenomorphs in.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. crash some xenomorphs in there and have a good old, old male. <laughs> yeah, I, I kinda I went in with an open mind but I, I kind of knew that this is where I thought I'd end up at. So watch the pitch meeting. Then you'll see. <laughs> yeah. I've watched the pitch meeting now, I've seen the film, and I've read some of the comments underneath and that just made me dislike the script even more.
2: No oh, oh, fun, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's me. It's a long week. movie as well, isn't it? Three hours and fifteen minutes. Uh, <sighs> I needed to piss twice,
1: <laughs> especially with all that water.
0: <laughs> yeah. <Ween. laughs> right, Candy. What have you been up to?
1: Well, I've been poorly this week, so I was looking for something to cheer myself up, and I found a documentary on Amazon called Wildcat. I thought this will do the trick. I was wrong. Um oh so Wildcat is um like I said, it's a documentary and it follows a young lad called Harry Turner who um joined the army as a young lad at 18, went off to Afghan and saw some horrific things, and was subsequently discharged with um severe depression and PTSD. And he came home and um basically so a lot of trigger warnings here he did he he tried to take his own life and ha- happily unsuccessfully took himself off to peru after that to try and kind of find himself again and find a bit of meaning and just to live in his own head for a bit and sort himself out and um his travel took him to a wildlife conservation run by ph an american phd student called samantha zwicker um so she's um really really intelligent woman and they become sort of romantically involved and it turns out that his experience with um living in extremely harsh conditions whilst living in an afghan plus he had a really really sort of he has a really nurturing kind nature about and made him the kind of perfect candidate for what he what she was looking for in terms of rehoming animals and it's the story of this um ocelot that comes to them as a uh, as a kitten that they call keanu Adorable little thing he is, but um, Harry just puts everything he has into raising this ocelot and to eventually, hopefully, um, release him into the wild. And it's so, it's so heart wrenching in places, but also you, you just, you're really rooting for them to both be okay in the end because everything that happens to Keanu, this little baby ocelot, is affecting harry so extremely and it's it's just as much of a battle with his own depression and ptsd as it is like everything is riding on releasing this ocelot basically he's the ocelot's mum kind of thing so the ocelot has to make a um a connection with just one of them so the girlfriend's kind of back and forth from um, the states because she is still she's a phd student so she's still writing a thesis and everything so he has to be the one to really bond with this ocelot. And he sort of the amount of time and effort that he puts into raising this tiny creature, and he'll take him out, you know, hunting at night. It it goes from him being like a little baby kitten and everything, to him actually having to teach him to hunt, and to basically stop feeding him and everything, just so that he would take him, he would be able to hunt for his own rodents and stuff. And it's the the way they they finally. It's just it's so it's so emotional because they are so attached to one another, but at the same time you know that they have to he has to be let go for him for Harry to succeed in his mission he has to let go of this ocelot so it's just it's it is so good i I would be very surprised if this doesn't get awards, but it's it's definitely not a laugh a minute if you're feeling slightly emotionally delicate i would be very careful going into this and especially if you're a cat lover as well (laughs) um it's not all fun and games um but it's it is extremely emotionally powerful it is extremely good and like i said for trigger warnings it's it does um it doesn't shy away from the fact that he does self-harm and everything and he's it does show fully his struggles with depression and how his girlfriend deals. His his girlfriend as well, Samantha's wicker also has a bit of a um, a troubled background. And she talks about the uh, her upbringing, how her father was an alcoholic and how, well, he could be em- emotionally abusive. She always could see the good in him. And unfortunately he passed away. And then a lot of the way he was, she was looking after her father transferred to how she was kind of looking after Harry as well. So that it took an emotional strain on her. So, the importance of this—just one little ocelot making it and surviving and being hopefully released into the wild—is so important to all of them. But it's yeah, very very good. If you're feeling quite emotionally strong, give it a watch.
0: Oh, it sounds fascinating. Is that what do you say? It's called Wildcat.
1: Wildcat on uh, Amazon.
0: Is it a uh, like TV or just like a movie documentary?
1: No, it's about ninety minutes, two hours long, I think. Just the oh, yeah, perfect. just a one and done. But yeah, yeah. Re- really, really good.
0: Yeah, I'm really into like documentaries more when they're like an hour and a half, an hour, to an hour and a half kind of one. Then Netflix has this problem of dragging ones out for like six episodes yeah. when they don't need to be that. So that sounds, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That Doesn't it, Yeah, I'll, I'll give that a watch. Definitely.
2: I had that problem with the, with the bad vegan. It was a six episode series that kind of just didn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah Netflix are terrible for doing shit like that at the minute.
0: Oh, cool. Right, um, Biggie. What about you? What have you been doing?
3: I've got two. Uh, one I want to very briefly talk about, um, which because is we Happy need five Valley for the uh, cover-up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Happy valley uh, is currently in its third season and actually showing tonight. Its uh, third episode will be out as we uh, record. Um, it's a British crime drama television series set and filmed up your way um, in the Calder—is it Calder Valley, West Yorkshire? What's Oodles way that? Uh, more oodles then starring a uh, the fantastic sarah lancashire um and siobhan finnerman fidderan sorry written and created by sally wainwright uh, directed by her um Lyn and tim firewell uh first series came out on bbc one back in 2014 uh second series was 2016 and everyone's been waiting for a long time for the third season uh, it won a 2015 bafta award for best drama series And it features Catherine Kaywood, which is Sarah Lancashire, um, as a strong-willed police sergeant in West Yorkshire. Um, Some trigger warnings here. She's still coming to terms with the suicide of her teenage daughter, Becky, eight years earlier. Kaywood is now divorced from her husband and living with her sister, um, Claire, played by Sean Finneran, a recovering alcoholic and heroin addict who is helping to bring up Becky's young son, Ryan, who's the product of rape. Have you got all that? So it's a pretty grim setup but the performance by sarah is just it just carries the series everybody obviously is good in the show but she is obviously the main focal point and the emotional drama that she has to put up with at home plus that comes it within the job And then you've got the plot of the series as well um it's just it's awesome it's just you know when an actor plays a role and it's kind of like it's created for that sort of person you just think yeah. no one else could play it and that's kind of what she does with this um and she's amazing in this show it's so so good so if you haven't seen it do a catch up on uh, bbc player and then get up to scratch because the current season is looking just as good i've watched the first two episodes but it, it's awesome it's so so good she's, she's actually really a pretty funny amazing
1: as well. she's an amazing person in real life as well like a lot of what she brings to the world because i remember her from coronation street and that's right and, yeah. um She'd gone off to do um, a couple of other things, and then it was when she came back to Corrie. She'd picked up such a quick kind of comedic timing and of everything. But she's actually a um, she's a drama teacher as well in one of the universities up north, and it's it's, she she obviously does it just for the love of doing it because she doesn't need the money. But also, I think she's trying to stop um, people that are in London, or basically people in London having all the advantages, and people up north having uh, more advantages into. The world
3: of acting and everything so she's actually super cool yeah she just plays this character with such warmth and emotion and everything that you need for a role like that and there's obviously a lot of emotional baggage that she has to deal with in the show and she just knocks out the park every time so so good incredible performance really Um don't sound very happy so yeah please check that out no, it's not exactly, <laughs> and I think it. And believe it or not, the, the town it, it has kind of shows people at their lowest. You know, it, it yeah. certainly doesn't hide from the fact uh, um there are some issues um, around those sort of areas, and um, there's a lot of people. It shows, you know, shut down shops and um, buildings falling apart. It's got everything that you'd expect from a show like that. It's yeah, really, really good. Cool. That's the other but one. one thing I do want to talk about um, is Accident Man. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this accident, that man. Sounds like that's just me. <laughs> Is this based on me? Well, it's a 2018 action thriller uh, directed by Jesse V. Johnson, uh, based on characters created by Pat Mills and Tony Skinner. Now, I first came across this comic book um, in a comic that was run back in uh, 1991 called Toxic and it was basically created by pat mills because he used to do stuff on uh, 2000 ad but he wanted to do stuff a bit more outrageous and not sort of stuck in the mold of what 2000 ad was trying to do so he got other comic book artists and writers to sort of do stuff for toxic and he created this uh, character mike fallon who's an accident man and he's basically an assassin who takes people out but makes it look like an accident so you know Whenever somebody's taken out, uh, the police always say, "Oh, it's just an accident; it's not actually paid assassination." And it's really funny, really, really cool. Um, I've always been fond of the comic and always thought it would make a really good TV series or film. And then uh, martial artist Steve a- um, Scott Atkins, sorry, um, as, he did exactly the same thing I did. He bought it from a shop, read it, and kept it all this time, hoping to one day sort of see it himself, and then realize that no one else was going to make it, so he did. And it's really good. It's really funny. Sticks to the material um, so, so well. There's a lot of dialogue from the comic is in the movie. A lot of the scenes are basically taken from the comic. Um, And it's fantastic. Great martial arts. It stars um, Ray Stevenson as well. David Paymer, Michael J. White, Ashley Green, and Ray Park from the uh, Star Wars movies. It's Um, full on like B-tier
0: action heroes, isn't it? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, but but it, it it does exactly what it's supposed to do, and it's just really entertaining. It's just a, a no brainer, easy to watch movie, very funny, um, great fight scenes in it, and um, pulls off the story that I've always wanted to see. And there's actually a sequel out now, um, which I haven't seen yet, but uh, it's on my radar. But uh, yeah, really, really cool, really funny, and a uh, great character. And I hope he does more with this. And there's a great um, scene in this where he talks about how he does his accidents and there's one where he's got to take a certain character out and he says he's been waiting days and it shows you a picture um, a scene with him up on the roof and he's basically got a sniper rifle but it's filled with air he's got a compressed bullet inside it that's got glass and stuff and he's been waiting for the perfect car to come down this road because this guy basically waits at the bus stop to go to work every day and then he sits up there waiting for this perfect car to come at the perfect speed then he fires the bullet takes the tire out the car Loses control, and smashes in, and takes out the uh, the person that he's been paid to take <laughs> out. Looks like an accident. It's perfect. Okay. And hell. there's lots of funny stuff like that in there. Um, and then the story progresses when somebody close to him is taken out, and he realizes that he knows who's done it. And he goes off uh, to work out why his uh, ex was killed. It's so so good. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Really good chilled out movie. Cool. All
0: right. That's it. Round is off.
2: Uh, so a couple of things. First one quick, obviously most of this week has been me watching Awesome Games Done Quick. Um, it finished today. They raised uh, $2.6 million. Wow. Nice. Uh, and it's 12-year history. It's now raised uh, raised around $43 million for charity in total.
3: Is uh, it for the same charity hear, every time? You don't hear about that
2: in the news, do you? So exactly. there's, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's two charities. So the, the winter one, which is the one that's just been, is uh, Prevent Cancer Foundation. And the summer one is for Doctors Without Borders. Oh,
4: cool.
2: Um, this year was particularly notable as well because uh, there was actually a few world records set. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge, their co-op any percent arcade um run was done in 5618, which is a world record. Uh, and Super Mario Galaxy 2, the Any Percent run, uh done in 2 hours 54. Oh, which is wild. Um, and the last run I managed, I managed to watch last night was their Dark, the, the Dark Souls two run, which was absolutely lovely because that was when they hit two million dollars. Um, and the guy who the guy who was running it, I can't remember his name, so forgive me for that one. But uh, he he was talking about when he was doing the run, like you know, he is a speed runner, but he's not from America. He probably would never be able to get over to America, so being able to do a GDQ online was a huge thing for him. Mm. Um, and it was just a really lovely, lovely event, very positive, even though it wasn't in person. And yeah, I, I'm going back through the some of the vods that I still want to watch that I didn't get to see because of you know it runs all 24 hours a day. I can't watch them all. <laughs> um, but it's it. I I love it. I love it so much. Um, but the main thing that I want to talk about was, and I mentioned it last week. Um, that I started watching it, but we finished it this week. Our, uh, Our flag means death. Yes. Which is um for those of you who don't know is it, it is a pirate comedy period romantic comedy thing set in the golden age of piracy, the early 18th century. It stars Reese Darby as, an I didn't know, real person, Steed Bonnet, <laughs> and Taika Waititi as Captain Blackbeard. So the general run of it is Steed Bonnet, um, who I've literally just found out it was a real person, um, is known as the Gentleman <laughs> Pirate. He is a rich Barbadian landowner who um, gets bored with his boring high society life has a ship built called the revenge and he fucks off to sea as a pirate captain but he doesn't know anything (laughs) about being a pirate captain because he's a fop and a dandy and he has a crew who are loyal to him um in so much that you know they don't go raiding things but he pays them a living wage um and he allows them to express themselves um, instead of fighting and they eventually kind of accidentally happen upon the english who try to kill them um and <laughs> then Blackbeard gets involved. I, I kind of don't want to spoil things because there's a lot of really good reveals and really good moments in it, but it is very, very. F- it's very funny, but very heartwarming as well because it isn't. It isn't just a straight comedy. It's not just like gag after gag after gag after gag. There is a lot of funny shit in it, but it is kind of dramatic in places and kind of heartrending. And uh, Rhys Darby as Steve Bonnet is fucking brilliant because he's he, he's bringing that kind of foppish charm that Rhys Starby brings to everything. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll always remember him in what you do in the shadows going, we're not werewolves, we're, we're not <laughs> werewolves, we're werewolves. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's exactly that same tone that he brings as Steed Bonnet. Um he the first time the first time he witnesses someone getting killed, he absolutely freaks out. Um some first time they someone shoots at them, he freaks out. He just he's freaking out constantly throughout the whole thing. But him and Taika Waititi obviously have acted together and have performed together. The two of them together in this are wonderful. They have such a wonderful connection. The the the, the kind of the wider cast of other pirates are absolutely balmy. Um, uh, Ewan Bremner as as uh, Buttons, the mad helmsman who speaks to um, speaks to seagulls, is utterly fucking hilarious because he stands there. He's got this thick Scottish accent. He's kind of always looking down his nose looking scared and he just says the most fucking mental shit he's just like he's like which direction are we going he'll stick his tongue out west you know he <laughs> he like tastes the air and knows which direction they're going <laughs> um I yeah I don't want to talk too much about it because I, I I kind of don't want to spoil it but it is absolutely wonderful and it's got such a wildly it's just got a wild supporting cast so like Leslie Jones and Fred Armisen Kristen Schaal Nick Kroll Will Arnett turns up like, there were some really fucking big names in this. Um it's got Hodor um, in. Yeah, who yeah, ho H- Hodor's one of the main um Christian Nan. Nan? Yeah, Christian Kristen, Kristen yeah. Nan. As Wee John Feeney, uh who was obsessed with fire, he wanted to burn everything.
0: Yeah. Oh, of course of course the big guy's called Wee. Like yeah. As well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Wee John Feeney because he's massive. Standard. <laughs>
2: there's a there's there's a there's a great gag quite early on, like when Blackbeard first comes aboard the ship, and that's it. So, so uh, if you if you imagine what a galleon looks like, so um, the the sets are kind of outsized. Like like Steve like Steed Bonnet's um, chambers are enormous; they wouldn't actually fit in that ship. Um, but like Blackbeard's going around and like looking around, he's like, "You've got a full library in here." And he's like, "Oh yeah, well you know I'll, I'll lend the boys the books. Not all of them can read, but they like to look at the pictures." And so uh, and he says, "You've got a is that a real fireplace?" That it is. You've got a real fireplace that burns coal and wood <laughs> on a boat that's in the water. bit dangerous, don't you think? But it looks nice. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's like that level of humour. Uh, the entire series, the entire ten, run of 10 episodes is on um, BBC iPlayer at the minute. They're about 25 to 35 minutes each. Uh, there's a couple of mascara warnings in there. There's a couple of quite sad moments, but it is, by and large, I think one of the best things that HBO Max has made. I think it is absolutely wonderful. And they should be winning awards all, all over. The production is wonderful. The acting is wonderful. Costume design is brilliant. Music's fantastic. Um, but Rhys Darby needs recognition because he's now a leading man after this. Rhys Darby's always been kind of like a side character or a background actor or, you know, oh, he's yeah. always been in one of his mates' things. Uh, and this is like his thing now. He gets to be front and center on this one because it's. You know, it's like you've got the cast and it's and with Taika Waititi, he's in the he's the background character this time. Um, Stapp is so good in it.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely on our list to watch. So We want to want to get through the latest, what we do in the shadows first, and then watch this as well.
2: Yeah, it was quite well timed that the both of them came onto the iPlayer at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's very it's, it's very very good, and it's um, it's not what you would expect out of a lot of the characters as well it's quite forward thinking it's a very 2022 show in the best possible way
0: yeah
2: uh, uh, and oh you've got uh, last one the, the um castmate you've got Con O'Neill in as izzy Hands. and Con O'Neill's great because he's 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 got that voice that sounds like he's been shot through the throat but he's just he's menacing <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's blackbeard's right hand man and doesn't like that uh, that that steed is kind of softening blackbeard a bit and he's, so, you know, he he's always walking around his, his, his jaws clenched. He's wearing his, his leather outfit because all the Blackbeard's crew wears leather because that's the no, thing. Oh, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> he's just walking around croaking at people. So, yeah, yeah. Seriously, watch Our Flag Means Death. It's one season so far. Second season wrapped filming in December and is out this year. It's, it, this is a show that I think this can have like three or four excellent seasons and then be done with it. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like it.
0: Awesome. Well, at least the rest of you watched stuff that you liked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that entire series I watched was shorter than, <laughs> than Probably. <Avatar>. Probably.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, excellent. On to our main topic this week, our main feature. We are going to be looking at our favourite British TV comedies. So this we're not... Putting this down to just sitcoms, this could be game shows or panel shows or anything that's comedic that's on British TV. And I think I'm going to start with Candy for this one.
1: Oh, I'm glad you went with me first. Actually, the one I've chosen, I touched on it um, quite briefly last week, and spaced. it's um, not space. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you know, it would have been space, but I've talked about space so much, there's there's just no point. So I'm going to my second favourite, and that's the first show, and. Oh, yes. So if you, if you don't know... Do you know what? It's early 90s. It's 30 years ago. There's going to be people listening that have never heard of the first show and they've probably never seen it because it's not been digitised. So if you can... 30 years ago do, was the
0: 70s. I don't know what you're talking I about. I know, right?
1: <laughs> 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 so yeah, it ran from 94 to 97 in its initial run and had a couple of um, like Christmas specials and, and spin-offs kind of thing from in the early 2000s, which didn't go particularly well, but the original show... Um, was just fantastic. It's created by Paul Whitehouse and Charlie Higson and starred Paul Whitehouse, Charlie Higson, Arabella Weir, John Thompson, Carolina Hearn, Simon Day, and Mark Williams. And it's 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 a sketch show. And but what it was sold on, it's called the Fast Show. Every single one of their sketches are basically less than a minute. So it was a thirty-minute show. You'd normally get about thirty sketches in it. And um, yeah, I was watching it again today, and it's just such silly. Innocent humour, like I was watching it in the hope that I wouldn't find anything too problematic <laughs> and nothing nothing stood out as particularly bad, especially something from the mid-90s. I think the, the, the 90s was a pretty good era for British comedy in, in terms of sketch shows and things. And I think it was Oodles that said it last week as well, like um, Harry Enfield as well had a couple of good ones. and then There was the first show, Trigger Happy TV. Which one? Big Train train yeah exactly
3: yeah they're also
1: they're also 90s but I think looking back in hindsight when you're living the decade you don't see anything particularly stand out about it but looking back you see all these amazing things that came from that decade but it's just like I said it is such innocent humor it's it's maybe not particularly inclusive that's the worst thing I can say about it really um but the show's just infinitely quotable. Some of their characters, and I'm just going to scroll through and find a couple now, because some of them are named. I, there's Unlucky Alf, who was one of my favourites. Poor old geezer. <laughs> Always set off with the right <laughs> intentions. Something something would come along and absolutely ruin his day. Um, anyone fancy a, pine, a man who finds himself in boring or bizarre situations, such as a dinner party where a woman is talking about how she was abandoned as a child and crying about everyone letting her down? White House then interrupts at the most insensitive moment, asking, anyone fancy a pint? <laughs> um, who else have we got? Bob Fleming is another one of my favourites. So uh,
3: <laughs>
1: Bob Fleming's the guy, he would, uh, was it like a gardening show or like a Countryfile type show um, yeah. that, that he'd be hosting, but he'd just have this like persistent cough. And then he'd he'd it's always a... invite his friends on as well that had some mm-hmm. other kind of like, Audible ticks, and he had his friend that would just say, "Arts!" every couple of minutes and then, <laughs> And then, I can't remember which episode it was on. I think it might have been a Christmas special, but it was three or four of these characters, and they were all trying to present the show with their various ticks, and they had a shotgun, and there was a vase or something they were talking about. and one, one guy had this tick where he threw the vase, the other guy would fire off his shotgun. The next guy, next day the ju- next guy would just shout arts every couple of minutes, and Bob Fleming would just be there. Coughing his guts up the entire time. Um, Swiss Tony as well. The uh, the car dealer. Swiss
3: Tony. <laughs> Swiss
2: Tony. I I I. I, have but, the... go I was going to say I I I, I have to go and look up some of his quotes because there's one of one of his quotes. The Swiss Tony quotes is absolutely absolutely gets me every single time, and I've just found it. Um, because obviously his his whole thing was everything can be comparable to making love to a beautiful woman
1: <laughs> Yeah, As a, because he
2: is that kind of used car salesman it was, um, it, it's just this one well hanging wallpaper is also very much like making love to a beautiful woman clean all the relevant surfaces spread her out on the table cover her with paste then stick her up <laughs> then, then you clean your brush light your pipe stand back and admire your handiwork <laughs> <laughs> but there was I think he was one of the most frequent
3: characters because there's like 15 sketches with him in it
1: <laughs> he actually was one of the few characters that had a spin off show as well
3: which was it shite it was the farmer as well Was that that was the one with the farmer wasn't it with the the sort of the love
1: yeah. between the, yeah, the ten, farmer and yeah. caretaker
3: yeah <laughs> oh that just I loved that bit because it was just this kind of a relationship that they had it just went on for so long and you're always it's waiting so for him awkward. to actually just Oh, it's brilliant. So, so good. I think
1: they actually did get together in the end. I think it was during a Christmas special. I think they finally did fall in love. But also the nice,
2: th- the nice thing about Ten Marvel as well, it was never played for laughs that they were in love with each other. They were played for laughs at the awkward yeah. situations because yeah. they couldn't yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's and it, right. And that, Like for something in the 90s, you wouldn't see that normally, would you?
1: No, exactly. No. Um, the, so drunk well,
3: the, the drunk as well. The drunk as
1: well, very, <laughs> very drunk. Yeah, old guy sitting in his... Uh, in his armchair, and we've all like we've all met these guys at the pubs as well. You cannot understand a word apart from maybe every third or fourth four sentence. And of course, it yeah, was yeah. always always in, Of course, I was very very drunk.
0: Yeah, like who, like if you've seen the fascia, like who hasn't ever just done that quote? Yeah, <laughs> I just, or, or the whole yeah, yeah, like yeah. this week I have mostly been doing this, and like <laughs> it, every week right. like right, what's he coming up with this week? What's he been doing?
1: Suits you, sir, as well. Mm. the two pervy old guys in the uh what would you call it Haberdashery?
2: regan it's a ta- tailors
1: tailors yeah um everything would end up in suits you So again like all kind of just cheeky humor well so we got here scorchio as well the uh, yes. the scorchio. spanish news network yeah,
2: That still gets
0: quoted these days doesn't it
1: yep
2: yeah but yeah no 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 one ever remembers the F-f-f-f-f-f- chris waddle
1: chris waddle for
2: some reason chris waddle was involved all the time <laughs>
1: and the, uh, the match of the day one as well jumpers for goalposts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> classic. But yeah, what, Still, yeah,
3: I think it's still one of the best sketch shows that came out of the UK to be honest.
1: I think you'd be surprised as well like looking back it just hasn't it hasn't lost anything over time as well. Like all these things are still infinite. I think there's again there's probably people quoting these things without realizing what they're quoting because they've probably never seen it. And for whatever reason I don't know why it's bit it's never been digitised because it was a BBC2 thing. So yeah. they do tend to put things on iPlayer at least.
2: Was was the one with Dave Angel Eco Warrior?
1: I think so. Yeah, where
2: he sat there talking about like how the planet is dying, and his wife's in the background like spraying loads of hair <laughs> spray around her head or something.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I've referred to Sting as competitive dad as well. Oh
1: yeah. Now who bought the best Christmas <laughs> presents?
3: <laughs> oh God! Yeah, I remember that one. Oh. Jesus. <laughs>
1: GCPs as well. But yeah, I, I could just go on and on. I've got a list of all three characters here and all of them are just, they're all of them are memorable. But yeah, it's, it is is a crime against uh, TV that it hasn't been digitised because I would love to see. It just looks, it looks complete like the actual like physical look of it. If you watch it on YouTube, look, it does look shite, but try and see past that if you go to look it up.
0: Yeah, man, <laughs> I, love, I love a good sketch show. I really wish we got more of them, but I just don't think they'd be as good. These days, there's I not as talked many. about yet, last like... week, where TikTok and YouTube's really where you got to get them mm-hmm. these days.
1: Yeah, and they they don't seem to be on primetime TV either, like they used to. Like you might have to kind of bury the depths of BBC Four or something at to or Sky Arts or something, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, yeah, like you know, Harry Enfield was like a weekly thing to make sure I watched it.
1: Yeah.
2: But... Or, hey, you know, uh, or, or even to the point where, like you know, sketch shows generated films. Like you, you got the Kevin and Perry film. Mm-hmm, yeah, like from from one of the. I mean, I, the Kevin and Perry sketches were funny on Harry on but they were far, far from his best work.
0: No, they just became they're just easy, easy. Yeah. targets work. They're like easy to kind of laugh at and kind of mm. relate in certain aspects. I guess where teenagers can be. You know, not, not for me when I was younger, but like now you can see. Our kids are. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's the thing with the first show as well. All these characters—they are just character studies of people. You know, they are also relatable. You—you you know these people.
0: Oh yeah, I bet like the, I bet even the when they all sat down and wrote stuff, going, "I know this guy who does this. I know this person who does that." Because what can we, what can we do? What can we make funny about that? And I bet they all kind of knew these people and just said, "Right, yeah. we could make something good out of this."
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, fashion is a great one. Um, fast show, sketch shows definitely uh, get on YouTube and watch some of them. Um, I'll go next. Um, so again, with this, it was I tried to not I tried to not think of something that we talked about before or that's an old classic because we because they are great and um, for, for for that reason. So I've looked, decided to look for something a bit um, newer in the last like ten years. And right, one okay. the, that I've really enjoyed... Well, I would have mentioned Derry Girls, but I've already reviewed that before, so it would have been Derry Girls, because that's incredible.
2: Derry Girls is excellent. Yeah.
0: But so I'm going to bring Toast of London to this oh, one. My backup
2: option, that one. I love yeah. Toast of London.
0: <laughs> so, Toast of London is a um, 2012 show starring Matt Berry as Stephen Toast, who is a thespian actor uh, eccentric middle-aged man in uh, living in London who has his and we kind of see his problems that he deals with on and off the stage, and it's Matt Berry being full Matt Berry, basically like yeah. the best Matt Berry you could get with the the pronunciations of letters and words, and him just just hamming it up big time, and it's so weird and surreal that the first episode you watch. Starts out relatively normal. So in the this is just like the pilot episode. The first episode is he's doing a play. He's talking to his uh agent, who is called um what's he said called Jane Pl- Jane Plow, but yeah, but she wants people to call her Jim pluff like Brian Clough. Yeah, everyone everyone in this <laughs> everyone in this show has really stupid weird names, uh like they just. Ray Purchase and Danny Bear. Um...
2: No, 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 get it right. Ray Bloody Purchase. Yeah, Ray Bloody Purchase. <laughs> this is
0: Purchase. <laughs> everyone just seems to have like an odd name, don't they? Like it's, it doesn't really seem like it should be odd, but they are like Clem Fandango. I would say and... like Clem Fandango. Yeah. Or Danny uh, Bear. Danny Bear, Axel Jacqueline, um, Cliff Bonanza. Uh, some of them are just sound normal, but they just, the way that he says it, isn't <laughs> just the way that obviously <laughs> that, that um, Matt Berry says them? Just they're just funny, anyway. Yeah, so he, um so the first episode, he gets told he has to go meet this reporter, and so he goes to lunch with this reporter and they hit it off. And they actually become like she actually takes an interest in him, like romantically. So they're going this walk, and everything seems normal. The episode is perfectly normal up to this point until they're crossing a bridge, and all of a sudden she says, Hang on a second, and she picks up a trolley and just throws it into the water she <laughs> just goes one thing you should know about me is i'm the kind of person who likes to throw trolleys into the into streams like out of nowhere like it's, that's the kind of humor and the surreal humor you get and after that it just goes completely fucking weird that the payoff to um there's a bruce Forsyth joke in this oh god and that
3: was that surreal yeah
0: Fucking incredible. The payoff to it is amazing. I don't I, I don't want to spoil it. I think people should watch it, but
3: Yeah, uh, I haven't seen that.
0: He basically he's talking to his his flatmates. Oh, I've got so-and-so coming round. He goes, but don't make light of the fact that she looks like Bruce Forsyth. She had a bit of work done and she now looks like Bruce Forsyth. And it's like apart from her hand. So her hand is still black. <laughs> it's, the, it's like Bruce Forsyth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you no, know, it's not just that because it because it's like the next morning. Someone who is a Bruce Forsyth lookalike with a black with a brown coloured hand now is wearing like a negligee sitting, <laughs> <laughs> sitting at the dining table. It's so fucking weird and creepy, and it's so yeah, funny. yeah. sorry. yeah, fuck it. Yeah, go and
0: look it up. i will go show I'll show you the picture with you, but that's what you're getting with this show. It, it just everything is so weird and surreal at times, and it's like an episode where he loses a bet to um, uh, what's his name, the Phantom of the Opera guy. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. And he owes him loads of money. So Andrew Lloyd Webber sends Michael Ball after him. So he's yes. trying to get away <laughs> while Michael Ball is trying to assassinate him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, honestly, it's just so, I just, I just wanted to find something that from the last several years that was so different to anything else. And I think Matt Berry is just, he's gone from strength to strength. I first saw him in the IT crowd. Uh, which is excellent as well and then I think he's just then he's done this and then moved on to what we do in the shadows and I think he's just got better and better as well he's,
2: he's managed to carve out a career of being the weird Englishman yeah mm. yeah, I because like, like, you see know, he's like guest spot on community where he gets to do exactly the same thing just doing the Matt Berry voice oh, yeah. I mean, he,
0: he's, he has just kind of like developed this Matt Berry voice and character and it's kind of the same thing for out, but it works. It seems to work across a plethora of different things, even though it's like him doing the, the loud pronunciations and the weird accents on words and stuff. But I think it's just brilliant. But yeah, it's, it's this is just rude and and crude in parts. Like there is literally a, like he's always shagging um rare purchase's wife, yeah, like constantly. Like this rare purchase and like Mrs. Purchase and Stephen Tors have an affair, and but it's just not. It's just so obvious. Like he comes home one time, and she, she is, she's like, "Quick, hide in the hide in the wardrobe." It's like, "What wardrobe?" It's like that one there, and it's just a wardrobe in the middle of the room. Doesn't like it's not like it's not, against the room. It's not against anything. It's in the middle of the room, and then he, Ray repurchase comes in and he knocks the the wardrobe, and it all falls down like perfectly. Like each wall of the wardrobe falls down perfectly. And the timing and the way it's done is just brilliant. It's
2: it's noble because it was he's a stage actor. The um. All of the scenes, all of the indoor scenes, are set up like you would see a stage show. Yeah, everything I never... is, is positioned and set up like that. So it, everyone moves around like they're in a stage show. Um, but the, the, my, my favorite scenes are always the ones where he's where he's at the recording studio doing the dubbing yes. or voiceovers. Like the, the one one of the early episodes, he's he's doing the new Mind the Gap for the uh, tube, and it's and it, and it's just constant notes. It's like it could just be a bit a bit less alarming about it. Could just be a bit more <laughs> energy about it. Just mind the gap, mind the gap, and stuff yeah, like that. It's like mind
0: <laughs> the gap. <laughs> and like, yeah. can you put a bit of a longer thing in there? And he's like, "Who's that in there with you?" And it's just like, "Oh, it's Boris Johnson, the Mayor of London." It's just there in the recording booth. And the uh, um, the,
2: the, the funniest one is is where is where him and um and rare bloody Purchase, who are again at each other's throats, and also Rare Purchase is a virulent homophobe, mm. like they're horrible they have to do the English dub for a gay porn movie. <laughs> yeah, they do. And they're in the studio, sat opposite each other with the script, just, like, making sex noises. It's fucking, it's painfully funny to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, now you, like, red, just, just do the, the kissing by yourself. And then she's like you. And then they're, like, kissing the microphone and making these horrible slurping noises. and <laughs> <laughs> but them they they're, like, um, enemies out there, like, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, the kind of, they're meant to look—they look like each other as well, like the hair and the and the mustache and everything—is like they're kind of made to look like each other, and it's just, yeah, it's just really funny. I, I really enjoy it. And um, this, um, Toast of Tinsel Town came out last
2: year, which I haven't caught up with yet. I haven't seen that yet. I need to watch that.
0: Yeah, so I'm taking it that it sounds as though he went to uh, Hollywood.
2: Yeah, I was looking at the cast list for that. There's some some pretty big people in it as well. Because you get, like, uh, Fred Armisen and Rashida Jones are in it.
0: Yeah. He's got quite a lot of... uh, There's quite a good few uh, cameos from famous people in Toast of London as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I also like one of the recurring jokes I really like as well is, even though he's meant to be in the the world of acting and professional acting, every time an actor, like a really famous, well-known actor is mentioned, he's like, who? Like he has no clue. Like the guy has no clue about the business whatsoever. About nah. uh, who's famous, what's going on. Like he's always just performing in really shit plays,
2: <laughs> or, or 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 the the player they won't name. It's so yeah. bad they won't even say its name out loud.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Toast of London. You should check it out. It, it's unfortunately for whatever reason it's not on iPlayer. Um, it's not on All Four, which I think who where it might be been originally. It,
3: I watch it on Netflix, yeah. Um, I was just gonna say, I think it's on there. Is it, it on Netflix now?
2: Yeah, it was broadcast on Channel 4 originally, but yeah, it's, it's on Netflix now. I think
0: I don't think it is. I think the only place I could see was Amazon. It, it was, was definitely there at one it.
3: point. I, I remember seeing the uh, the title for it there. It may have come off, but it was definitely on one of the streaming platforms. Oh, yeah, so,
2: yes, it's not on Netflix anymore.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, it's um, yeah, you'd have to. If you wanna watch it, you'd have to uh watch it on Amazon. Or other means. Yeah, for me, Tussle London. I'm gonna get onto to Tussle Tinsel Town soon. So I wanna carry on with uh,
3: with Toast's journey. <laughs> 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 All
0: right, Biggie, what about you?
3: I again wanted to pick something um that I haven't spoken about before. Um it's one of my favourites. Uh is Extras, the TV series from uh, Ricky Gervais. Mm. Yeah, I loved Extras. <laughs> I was a massive fan of this. It only ran for two seasons. Um, but I just thought the the overall joke of it was fantastic. And the fact that Ricky Gervais kind of plays a straight character in this, He, it's about everybody else around him. His best mate, Ashley Jensen, who's also an extra trying to get work in movies, TV, etc. cetera. Um, she generally has all the better lines, um, but it was written by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, who also appears in it as uh, his manager. And it just follows uh, Ricky's character, Andy Millman, just trying to get into anything he can, get better lines, better deals, and the characters that he has on the, the actual stars um, are just perfect. Some of the choices, you've got Patrick Stewart, who's an amazing in his uh, just playing on either their reputation or Ben Stiller, again, as a director, a uh, fantastic episode. And it was the guest that made it. And I was just looking through on Wikipedia, and I didn't realize there's quite a few people who uh, didn't want to appear on it for reasons either dropped out. Um, Jude Law, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, also had, uh, I think, Tom Cruise, Madonna, Brad Pitt. All turned down parts. Do you eventually, you know what I reckon. Um, all of
0: them, if you did that show now, would do it. Mm-hmm. I think there were at a point so. in their career where they didn't want to look stupid and embarrass themselves. Yeah, and that's what the celebrities who went on there had to do. They had to be. they were all everyone was the opposite of themselves, weren't they?
1: Well, apart yeah, from yeah, I Johnny mean Jet. Les Dennis.
3: Yeah, apart from Johnny. <laughs>
1: Johnny.
3: <laughs> Les Dennis was brilliant on there. Keith Chegwin as well. It's a fantastic outtake. If you haven't seen it, go on to YouTube and check out the um, outtake for one of the scenes with Keith Chegwin. And they're sitting there, and all he's basically trying to get to do is Keith Chegwin plays this kind of really a bit of a a sex pest character uh, of himself, and he's trying to talk to uh, uh, Andy Millman's character, and he's basically trying to say to Ricky about you get the cock and you put it in the fanny.
4: (laughs) That is basically
3: all he has to say, and Ricky just corpses every single time for the most incredible amount of outtakes. He cannot cope with Keith Jenkins saying cock and fanny in his face. And it is incredible. Another good but, one yeah, is it, when he
1: said uh, Patrick Stewart, and that just makes me think of another outtake. And it's Patrick Stewart talking about how he'd been having sex with this woman. and I think he was talking about pushing a nigger to the side or something. And they that's just it, cannot get yeah. through this line at all. Because he plays it so straight as well. in perfect yeah, Patrick yeah. Stewart tones.
0: Oh yeah. The whole just like the, to the side. I've already seen it. And then all of her clothes fall off. <laughs> like he just he's he, like I say, he's not playing it for laughs, he's playing it so straight. He's not being silly. The character yeah. anyway is not being silly in the show. He's just he's like he's been deadly serious about like, oh, we've got
3: this film, yeah, and then all of her clothes fall off. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just brilliant. It it's just really heartwarming. Um, there's some sort of nice sort of um storyline going through it as well. And he he's kinda of horrible to his best friend actually. And uh yeah, it's a, a nice relationship in the end. And I, I just really enjoyed it. It was just something different. When he came off the office it, it was a kind of different scenario and it still had that awkward comedy that Gervais is famous for. But that was, was the first a, a thing a he did after the office. Skewing it. Yeah. He did, yeah. yeah. And I loved it. I just thought it was really funny. Yeah, and just to get these people who weren't afraid to poke fun at themselves or just play these really weird, abstract versions of themselves, um, and people are up for it. David Bowie makes an appearance and it absolutely demolishes Andy Millman in the, the uh, pub scene where they're singing. It's just yeah, really, really funny. And uh, it doesn't get spoken about as much as the Office. And I'm surprised because I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I really, I really, scenes. really like
0: the extras. I like I, one of my favourite. Parts of extras is the fact that Barry from EastEnders is Stephen Merchant's assistant. <laughs> but yeah, it's not it playing is, himself. Yeah, exactly. It's not like the he's not playing a different character. He's actually playing himself. Uh, what's his name? Um can't remember what his name is now. Uh, Barry from EastEnders. Uh, oh.
3: Sean Williamson.
0: Yes. Sean Williamson. Yeah. But it's it's the fact that everyone calls him Barry as well. Like <laughs> <laughs> And it's an episode where he's just like I think Dean Gaffney turns up as well, like as he's like his assistant. Like and there's just like uh there's one episode where they just get really fucking um obsessed with one of those nudie pens where you turn it upside down. Mm. But it's just yeah, Sean Williamson just I I love the fact that he he really does just get the piss taken out of him and he's well and he's well up for it, Because like, he's just the kind of Barry from EastEnders rather than his actual name.
3: Oh, and Kate Winslet was incredible in it as well. Yeah, she was so funny. So I think, so I think all of Ross them Kent. are like
0: I really liked all the yeah. uh, all the celebrities that they got to do the the parts. I thought it was really good. I think I I not too sure about the special where he's he kind of got his dream, didn't he? And then he ended up on Big Brother, and he gave like I, I kind of get the the idea behind it and like the the big speech he gives and stuff like that it's kind of typical of yeah. what Gervais does in his TV shows does it in like yeah. Derek and and probably I've scenes I've seen from Afterlife is the same but yeah. I don't know I, I just thought Extra's strength was on just those episodes where you just had a celebrity yeah, coming in and, and just yeah. comedy you know ensues really but yeah he does like to yeah. put a I message in yeah. so. mm.
3: he does but yeah please check it out if you haven't seen it it's, it's incredible that should be on iPlayer, in it, possibly. Must be. I know some some some
0: old stuff. They tend to just knock off for no reason, but it'll be on there or somewhere. It might be on Netflix, Netflix or iPlayer or BritBox, one of those. Who has
2: BritBox?
4: <laughs> I don't know. I've seen it advertised,
2: and I don't know a single person who's ever accessed it. Yeah, who the fuck has BritBox?
1: <laughs> Again, possibly Americans. money laundering.
2: Yeah, it'd be
0: perfect for these Oi. for these shows that we're talking about, probably.
3: <laughs> I signed up for it briefly when it first came out so I wanted to see the new spitting image but it wasn't all that so uh, I cancelled as soon as I could.
2: Yeah, it wasn't it was never going to be as good as the original. No,
0: no it
3: wasn't.
2: No no political sat-
0: uh, satire is you can't really do it these days can you?
1: They no. need to. But I've got uh, <laughs> exactly offensive
3: honourable <laughs> mentions for later. Yeah. All right gadget, what about you?
2: Uh I'm going for an oldie but a goldie, uh, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I'm going with Red Dwarf. Oh yes, because it's... Red Dwarf means a lot to me because it's it was w- one of the few kind of grown up things uh, that my parents mm-hmm. learned me to watch as a kid. Same, um, but it's what sparked my love of sci-fi. It's the kind of the first proper sci-fi thing I saw as a, as a kid. Um, so Red Dwarf. Wow. <laughs> right, well, I mean, it started airing in the late eighties, and I start I started watching it. No, i was just 90s saying 90s. it's a great
3: intro for that. Yeah, just, it is uh, the comedy of that.
2: So yeah, so it's a, a science fiction um, sitcom based upon the eponymous Red Dwarf, an intergalactic, uh, interplanetary mining vessel. Who, um, it's, it focuses around Dave Lister, the last human alive, because he is put in suspended animation for being a bit of a shite bag. And in the process, his bunkmate, Arnold Rimmer, who is a technician aboard the ship, fucks up the drive plate and causes a nuclear accident, and the ship's AI speeds the ship three million years out of, out of the solar system to save lives. So Lister is brought back brought back around out of suspended animation after 3 million years when everything's safe and then has to live with the hologrammatic recreation of his former bunkmate an AI that's gone a little bit squiffy after 3 million years alone and a creature that evolved from Lister's cat. <laughs> and it is as good as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's genuinely it's one of those it's a reasonably timeless show actually for a sitcom because you know most sitcoms Revolve around kind of uh, knowledge of kind of current culture, like you know, there's a lot of cult- cultural jokes in Lost sitcoms, and there is some of them in Red Dwarf, but by and large, it stands out- on its own. The first first two series were f- one of those famously cheap BBC uh, shows. You can see the sets wobbling as the one around. Everything's made of ply- <laughs> pl- <laughs> plywood and painted the I same mean, color. That,
0: it's it's Crichton makes an appearance in one off one of the episodes in that, doesn't he? He does, he does in, uh, in season two, yeah. Yeah,
2: he looks terrible. He does, but it's also a so different so actor shit. as well.
0: I know, but he just looks so shit compared to what they actually end yeah. up with.
2: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So the, the, the show stars are Chris Barry um, as as Rimmer, Craig Charles as Lister, Danny John-Jules as the Cat, and Norman Lovett as Holly, the ship's AI, and then in the third series you get Robert Llewellyn joins as Crichton uh, as a full-time cast member, and then series seven you get Chloe Annette, who joins to replace Chris Barry, and she joins as Lister's uh, long-term love interest, Christine Kachansky, who's been dead for three million years. And they do a little bit of timey-wimey, wibbly, dimensiony stuff on that. I've got to say, just... most of it's utter bollocks, but in the best possible way. Lister is the worst person to be the last human alive. He is a slob. <laughs> he is lazy. He exists to smoke, drink, and eat curry. That's about <laughs> all he wants. The cat, um, played by Diana John Jules, is a cat, he dresses sharp, he sleeps 18 hours a day, he scents all the way across Red Dwarf. But because he's humanoid, you know, he wanders around, he's got, he's got a little scent spray full of urine.
0: That That's mine. <laughs> that this That's is mine.
2: mine. <laughs> oh, this is mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> loves his shiny things, loves his strings. One of my favorite sequences involved the cat is from series... war Series 2. Uh, and the cat goes up to the vending machine the robotic vending machine and he just goes fish <laughs> goes, today's fish is trout a la carte fish and he just goes on like this till he's got like <laughs> eight pallets of fish. Enjoy your meal. I will. <laughs> <Wonders> <laughs> off. And it's 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 full of quite gentle humor. It can be a little bit rude. Um but it's generally quite gentle reasonably laddish humor. It's not particularly sexist or homophobic in any way like that. It doesn't do it has it doesn't have much that I would say is problematic. But as the show goes on, and it expands from the kind of the concept of the first two seasons, things get really, really good science fiction as it goes on. In series three, there is an entire episode where they go through a dimensional rift and they they come to the um, a version of Earth that is running backwards. (laughs) Um, They meet Otto. Yeah, eight hundred and seventy-one (laughs) Selim. It's Dutch for London. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what they say. Um, the in series four they meet an alternative version of Rimmer, Ace Rimmer, who is, is is the big hero and and everybody loves him. And Rimmer is naturally incredibly jealous of that. Also in series four, there might be a
3: kipper. I'll be back for breakfast. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Series four has actually my favourite episode of the whole run of the show, which is called White Hole, where kind of time starts. It's again, it gets a bit temporal and time and the universe start to get a bit fucky because. The idea of a black hole sucks stuff out of the universe. A white hole deposits it back in so the entire universe gets weird and like time starts looping. And it's really well-constructed science fiction. You get one of the greatest ones. It's actually one uh, one that won an International Emmy Awards, which was Gunmen of the Apocalypse from Series 6, where (laughs) they've got their virtual reality game and uh, Crichton gets stuck in it because of um, plot reasons. And so they're in this virtual reality as the Wild West. <laughs> I'm right <hungry now. laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, it kind of went off; it fell off a little bit of a cliff towards the end. Like season seven was not that good. Series eight was all right. I I didn't really watch the ones when the resurrected on Dave. I watched Back to Earth, which was like a three-part special, and I hated it. I hated every
3: second of it. Yeah, because I was, was the one uh, the, the, like I haven't watched any of that. Well, go-
0: it had a good idea. I had like the idea, but I just the execution was a bit, and it just. And all it ended up being was just a play on something they'd already
2: done. It was it, it, it? it was it was a retread of the Despair Squid episode. Yeah, from Yeah, exactly. Five. It was
0: just that, and, and it had a bit of a they they kind of did a Blade Runner thing with it, didn't they? Like, yeah, they yeah. did a
2: Blade Run? They, they did the Blade Runner killing. They they did um because at the time Craig Charles was also in Coronation Street, so yeah, they, they went to Coronation Street in it. I thought, oh come I remember on, remember that? That's, yeah, it's weak. But apparently, like, so so that was like that's technically series nine. Apparently, ten, eleven, and twelve are are really good, but I just haven't watched them.
0: There's thirteen,
2: well, the th- the well, the thirteen is was like a movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I want to watch them. I do want to watch them because I I do have them. I'm just like I, I want to just see it off. Like I, I loved Red Dwarf so yeah. much. Um, I was just looking at the series here and that actually it ended originally on my birthday. Did
2: really?
0: it? Yeah, my thirteenth birthday was the end of uh season eight. Where yeah, it ended and you didn't know if it had ended. As a fan, yeah. you were like, "Oh, well, that's clearly set up for a next series."
2: Never and then nothing it. happened for a long nothing time. Nothing happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that was 1999. Then they brought it back in 2009 for Back to Earth.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I I do love Red Dwarf. It's one of those ones as well. You can just pop in and out. Don't even need yeah. to. You don't even need to watch it in any order. You can just oh, there's an episode on. I'm just going to watch that. It's one of those kind of shows.
2: Yeah, and like I said, there are some absolutely classic episodes, especially kind of earlier in the run. Um, Polymorph, which I didn't... i Obviously, hadn't I at the time, I hadn't seen it. was That was ripping off Alien. Um, but obviously, I was too young to have seen Alien at the time. But that was like, well, the first one kind of scary thing I'd ever watched is in this fucking comedy program. It's mental. Yeah. But then when, when you go back and watch that, having seen Alien, you're like, I see what you're doing. <laughs> um. They... Each of the series also had a really different feel like series five is like really dark. There's a lot of kind of really kind of fucked up shit in that one. There is a, there's an episode where it's called Angels and Demons, where they, they again they, they, they kind of experiment they experiment the idea of making a replicator because they they take a lot of Star Trek concepts and really take the piss out of it. So the idea of a food replicator and what it does is it um it'll replicate like the strawberry. It'll give you one is the greatest, most beautiful strawberry I'll ever, eat, and the other one's full of maggots. It like gives you the best and worst version of it. Mm. And they accidentally in, invert the calibration or something like that. And they end up doing the whole thing for Red Dwarf. So you get one which is full of like angelic versions of them all and like a pot noodle that tastes nice because Lister hates <laughs> pot noodles. And then you get one where they're like, they're in fetish wear and they're torturing each other and shit like that and like hitting each other with whips. It's fucked up. It's so weird, but it's so, so funny. Um, And there's some which are really kind of. Nice, which uh, there's one waiting for God, which is about, which goes into like the idea that like, the cats had a religion and worshipped Cloyster the Cloyster the Creator or Lister, um, because they were all spawned from his cat. And you, you get quite nice moments with, and quite human moments throughout it. And I, I just I could go on for ages about Red Dwarf, I just absolutely love it.
3: Yeah, it's just the city stuff as well. I remember there's a, a scene where they're under attack and the ship's being blasted, and at one point they say, Well, we've got to go. Upper level to Con 3 or something. No, 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 no. It, it turns it cha- around. Cha-
2: we've got to change from blue alert to red alert. Are you sure, sir? That would involve changing yes. the bulb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because those jokes just come out of nowhere and hit you in the face because yeah, yeah. they're so so well delivered, <laughs> especially when it's like a Crichton and Rimmer thing because uh, Robert Llewellyn plays Crichton absolutely deadpan.
0: Oh, yeah. There's, I think Crichton's, the, Crichton's, I think, my favourite because just because of the delivery.
2: Yeah, the, the, there's an episode of uh, C- Series 5 where Crichton becomes human. Um, and he's he's struggling to adjust to it, and like and like he's he's like he's like explaining it's like list and he's like it's all these different human emotions, like something happened with it, something happened, and he, and he like shows him a polaroid. He says, "What what is this?" Says, well, I was looking at the, looking at a catalogue of vacuum cleaners, and um, and he showed the two polaroids. He's obviously taking a dick pic. He's like, "No, vacuum cleaner should not give a human man a double polaroid." <laughs> <laughs> It's it it's worth the all the episodes are on the UK TV player I think you can watch them pretty much for free in the UK um they've also all been released on DVD and Blu-ray um they are absolutely worth watching especially si- si- series 1 to 8 um and make sure you watch the first I think the first episode of season 7 where they where they inadvertently go back in time and be the, Crichton becomes the person on the grassy knoll that kills JFK <laughs> <laughs> because why not Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the level we're talking about.
0: I mean, I always love, I know it's an easy one to go to, but Despair Squid and Dwayne Dibley. Like, just. Oh, yeah. I'll Uh... always love that. Like, it's just. Cat comes out of this, what they think is like a virtual reality thing, and he's like the most just uncool person ever with the most uncool name but teeth and yeah he's <laughs> just so uncat isn't it? He, he he's just
2: going and I'm Dwayne Dibley
0: yeah
2: a the- man with teeth the <laughs> druids could use as a place of worship I, I just like that I, they're all talking
0: about something and they're trying to figure out what's going on it just cuts back to him and he's just like Dwayne Dibley <laughs> like, he just can't get his head around it
2: yeah yeah, because Lister's like a rich businessman who turns out he's a fascist or something like that yeah. <laughs> And, and, but again, again, when you get into the story of what the despair squid is and how it, and, and what the ep- episode is based around, it's so clever. And like when you get the reveal in it, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that's what that's what I mean. It just is such good. It gets to become such good sci-fi that you almost forget that it is a comedy at some points until yeah. some, they do something that makes you laugh. And then it it's something that I, I think. There's been a lot of attempts at sci-fi comedy because um, they did that hyperdrive with Nick um, Nick Frostin, which was poor and I never really got on with the Orville but apparently that became quite good. Yeah, I um, started
0: it. I need to carry on with it. But I, I did enjoy the first few episodes I watched so I'm going to yeah. carry on.
2: There's been attempts at sci-fi comedy and I don't think anyone's really got it as right as Red Dwarf has got it.
0: No, Red Dwarf is just spot on. Really, really good. Right, well there are... Um, Excellent um, all around from everyone. What have our uh, listeners been saying, Gadget?
2: Uh, So Lee Davies has said, there's so much to choose from I can't really pick one, so I'll just say Rick Mail. Fucking love that guy. He's in so much great (laughs) stuff, from the Young Ones, to Bottom, to Blackadder. I mean, he gets in Blackadder, and it's still the best episode. Um, (laughs) Then there's the majesty of his reading of George's Marvelous Medicine on Jack and Ori. Truly the best reading of a book there has ever been. Rest in peace, Rick, the People's Poet. Mm. I mean, Rick Mail was just Transcendentally funny.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> Big loss. So good. Uh, Mike Halstead has said the IT crowd is amazing and the best season of Taskmaster was season seven. I remember who was on season seven of Taskmaster.
0: I'm going to look it up while you read the rest.
2: Okay. Was
1: that not the one we said uh, was rubbish last week?
2: No, it... no, season 12 was a bit shit. No. Oh, no, we're, we're into like the teens now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he goes on to say, and more recently, the new episodes of Nevermind the Buzzcocks have me sore from laughing. They are very good, with Greg Davies hosting it.
0: Yes, yes, they are.
2: Yeah. And um oh shit, I can never remember her name but that that woman who was in who was in our town there from the West this Country.
1: West Country. Uh Daisy May Cooper. Uh,
2: her, yeah, yeah. She knows fucking nothing, but she's just howling <laughs> laughing, and her laugh is hysterical.
0: So season seven was James Aircaster, Jessica Knappett. Kerry Godliman, Phil Wang, and Rod Gilbert. That was a very good series. That was a very good
2: series. It's it's mostly whenever James A casts involved in anything because he hates everything. Yeah, <laughs> just
0: the 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 um, hula hoop uh, bit was brilliant. The Jessica Nappet falling off the stage <laughs> to the point it's now that bit's now called they call it the Nappet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, Kylie Wilde has said bottom because the greatest TV comedy ever written and performed. Being American, I didn't discover it until well after its heyday, and only watched it because of my childhood crush on Drop Dead Fred. But so glad I did. <laughs> I mean, Bottom yeah. is great.
1: The, I wasn't um, allowed to watch it in the live show.
2: I, I mean, probably quite rightly. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. When I was younger I didn't well. Get into
0: Bottom, but I kind of loved other stuff. I loved like the young ones and everything like that. But it was in both I think. Some... I, think, I,
2: think I think. I think Bottom seemed sadder, didn't it?
0: Like, yeah.
2: like, like, the, like, whereas in like the young ones they were chaotic and like anarchic teenagers bottom they were like sad middle-aged men shouting at each other but it's it is so funny and i love the live shows just when they fuck it up and start corpsing. like <sighs> Um, yeah, the, the, there's the, there's one where like uh, Adrian Emmonson is like being over the top of it, and the crowd's going wild for him and like he's like standing there holding onto a pole like smiling and taking and it all in it, yeah. and Rick Mails like fuming. Yeah, <laughs> the one I think I
0: shared. Are you it, waiting I've for all got, your friends to finish? <laughs> where Rick where Rick Mails like forgotten his line, so yeah. they just it oh he's just he's fucked. Like the crowd has got to let him on it. It just like just sits there in his like. In the deck chair. I think he's on like a beach chair or something like that. He yeah. just sits back and he's just like taking the absolute piss out of him because he can't remember his line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like it a lot more as an adult when I see clips and stuff of it. Yeah. Uh,
2: Tig has said it has to be Alan Partridge. Aha. <laughs> I never got on with Alan Partridge. I, I don't know why I just didn't, didn't get the humor of it.
3: Oh, I love it. Well, Especially love- the series in the travel tavern is just insane. It's brilliant.
2: I think possibly it didn't. It didn't help that when that 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 I'm Alan Partridge series came out, I remember there was um so many people in my school just just shouting Dan 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 <laughs> all the time. Give <laughs> me fucking head in. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I probably so I'll probably enjoy it now if I watched it, but it's like at the time I didn't enjoy. it. Oh shit. Zenos has said QI has to count right. Yeah, I yep. say we'll QI counts. Yep uh would i lie to you is great too uh i would yep. i would agree especially any episode of bob mortimer yeah yes because <laughs> his stories are fucking wild and you have no way of telling if it's a truth or a lie
0: no i do love uh david mitchell just like trying to
3: figure someone's <laughs> lie out
0: like he's just like, the way he's able to try and break everything down and like the rants and look into winters yeah
3: there's that famous uh episode the one with uh the scottish comedian i forgot his name and uh He's trying to tell the story about uh, renting a horse that he actually ended up buying. And he goes into such detail in this story that everybody just can't believe this story. But there's just that, you know, the element of, could it be true? Yeah. And he goes on forever and everyone's losing it. And then it turns out it was true. It was great. Um,
2: uh, He goes on to say, and I already miss Mock the Week. I think Mock the Week kind of died a death by the end, but it was very good in the early days.
0: Yeah, I um, I think I yeah, I stopped watching it when I just stopped watching normal TV. But I did enjoy it. Yeah, uh,
2: he says I think my favorite out of the current range of TV shows has to be Taskmaster, although it's uh, though it's just fucking hilarious and the level of nonsense they come up with that show and how everyone responds to it. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Taskmaster is brilliant. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, while it's not strictly TV, uh, I'd also like to mention the technical difficulties group on YouTube, who've had a longer run than some TV shows between their panel show format citation needed. The more game showy two of these people are lying, and the older reverse trivia podcast and their current technical difficulties adventures. Technical difficulties are very good. Citation Needed is excellent. It's basically, um, uh, it's sorry I haven't a clue, effectively, but it's fucking brilliant. And it says Tom Scott's the host of it as well. But Citation Needed, basically, Tom Scott found it, f- finds a, an article on Wikipedia and they have to guess what it is. I've never seen it. Uh, it's, it's, it's worth looking up. I'll, sh- I'll share some good episodes. Um, Sergeant Story said Feedback for tonight uh, A bit of Fry and Laurie Mm. Yep Uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus Oh yes Black Books Spaced Red Dwarf And Little Britain
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's American It's fine You can uh... He's allowed to like like it. I I liked Little Britain when it first came out. Not I look back at it. I'm like
3: I did too.
0: Yikes! You yeah, know, when it first came out, I was into it. I did enjoy it. I did too.
2: I think I think Little Britain was the 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 death of the sketch show, wasn't it? Because it it relied too much on catchphrase comedy.
1: It could be yeah. right there, yeah. Yeah, we it's haven't probably had right. much since, have we?
0: I think what you had after that was Catherine Turchill, Show, which was also wank. And then yeah. they did come fly with me, which is when you look back at it now, it's just...
2: It's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: funny though. So, so How, racist. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so Why racist. i got away with that it's beyond me. I tell you what though, there is a, a sketch on that um, about one of the, the guy who drives the, the one of the uh, luggage buggies.
1: The pussy and wagon.
0: He, and he's like, oh, um, what's my what's your favorite film? He's like, my favorite film's Avatar 2. It's not out yet, but I know when it's going to come out, it's going to be the best film ever. And then when Avatar Two came out, Matt Lucas did like say, "I know, I know, someone who works at like Heathrow is going to be very happy or something like that." <laughs> no, <I'm pretty laughs> I thought it was a quite a nice tweet, funny tweet, but yeah, um, that show is just yikes.
2: <laughs> uh, our, our currently upon his bed. Oodles has, has said, "Hello, fellow colleagues and listeners. First, let me apologize for my absence this week. I only gone and lost my bloody voice. Someone call that a blessing." Uh, his words, not mine. Uh, British comedy-based TV shows have probably the biggest variety of options over most countries. I read that on the internet. However, my relationship with TV shows has waned over the years, but there are a few personal highlights. Panel shows such, a, such as Nevermind the Buzzcocks and Shooting Stars were always a favourite in my house, and to this day we have a rich culture of progressive ed- slash education and irreverent comedy panel shows. Yeah, we haven't said Shooting Stars. That was weird oh, I love amazing. Sh- I love Shooting Stars. Uh, you know, you got to bring down the dove from above. I had no idea what was going on when I was
0: watching it as a kid. I don't well, think I th- they I, did. No, but I enjoyed it all the same. <laughs>
2: I think Vic and Bob were just popping pills and seeing what happened. Mm, probably, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Uh, classic 70s or 80s sitcoms were a mainstay too, like Only Fools and Horses, Faulty Towers, and Open All Hours. Were huge to me. Uh, starting in the early 2000s, hidden camera or public bashing shows were always a treat to me, like Trigger Happy TV, Phone, and Slash Face Jacker, and balls of steel were Stella Cringeworthy shoes. Now, actually balls of steel I'd never heard of. I was talking with my gym trainer about it this morning and he and he actually brought up on his iPad this guy on that who would just like he would do he was called it was called Urban Rodeo and he would like jump onto people's backs and see how long he could stay on. I'm thinking yeah. if that <laughs> happened today, that would be an assault.
1: <laughs> he would definitely get stabbed. Yeah, balls of steel, I remember
0: that. That was all before the um It's a prank, bruh. It's a prank, bruh. You know, every time you see someone like that, everyone's like, it's just a prank!
3: Uh, One of my favourites in there, Trigger Happy, was when he was the traffic warden, and uh, there'd be, like, a gridlock traffic, and a guy would be stuck in the traffic, he'd go up and give him a a ticket, and be like, you can't park there, mate. And you could just hear the the driver kicking off, like, what are you talking about? I'm just stationary, you know? Didn't he also do
0: with the traffic... like a lollipop lady, and he'd hold the traffic up for a man like going across in a in a, in just a, a slug, a, a slug, yeah, or yeah. A, a snail going really <laughs> slow across.
2: But road. Phone Jack always used to make make me giggle. Just I just love Terry Tibbs. It was just, it was just, the, the Wheeler dealer kind of guy. Just, who loves your baby? Just that always always made me giggle. And I didn't realize until recently it's Van Novak who plays who's in a yeah. in the Shadows. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he also says, lastly, the undisputed genre of British comedy has to be the sketch show. Bite-sized comedy morsels of offensively hilarious and systematically genius comedy gold with recurring characters from the fast show to the brain-stimulating we- weirdness of that Mitchell and Webb look, not to mention shows that politically aren't appropriate nowadays, such as Boo Selector, but still had an impact on me.
0: Oh, Mitchell Mitch and Webb is great, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I,
2: yeah. about that. I loved that. And Peep Show. Let's not forget about Peep Show.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to, like, I was going to mention that in the in the... Um, Patreon bit, but
2: yeah, Patreon's fucking incredible. Uh, Actually, people put a lot in for this one. We've um, Kurt Lewin up next. This boy, uh, he says, Faulty Towers would always be my first choice for this question, but I want to give a shout out to something more recent, and that is the channel for Sikkim Friday Night Dinner, which I talked about a few yes. weeks ago. It had quite a few series, but I came to it quite late after a recommendation from my sister. It stars one of the lads from the In Us and the late Paul Ritter. Every episode was a banger, with some scenes leaving me gasping for breath. It was comedy safe for all the family too as my mum and dad loved it and it has some famous phrases from the dad such as shit on it.
3: <laughs> shit on it. Yeah. Love
2: that. I love that they ended the series you know I've with never that seen thought,
3: that.
2: And the very last scene of the series is just him going oh shit on it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we also quote like every time it's hot I'm just like it's boiling. When you catch like it's boiling, it's boiling. <laughs>
2: Also, shout out to Miranda and Not Going Out. Not quite as as consistent in quality, but there were some truly great episodes in there. Now, I can't stand Miranda, but I really enjoyed Not Going Out. Except Um, her scenes in it. I I don't like her humour. I just can't get away with her. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm not not a massive fan. Uh, And last up, we have Futile Exercise. After being brought up last week, I have fond memories of the many comedy shows that came along towards the end of the uh, the 90s. As mentioned, The Day Today and Brass Eye. I still can't believe some of the celebrities he got on that. The cake episode, it's a made-up drug, was another standout. <laughs> Fucking cake episode. My God. Fucking F- <laughs> Phil Collins holding up a cake going, this, this is the dosage. <laughs> 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 I, like, I don't know how they didn't get it. Like, they, must, they were making it really obvious that it's a piss take. So good. Uh, maybe not so popular, but my introduction uh, to who I'll come to in a minute was Takeover TV. This uh, late night Channel 4 show where viewers could send in their own weird videos could be seen as a proto YouTube or TikTok. This was interspersed with some well known names including Adam Buxton, Joe Cornish, Edgar Wright, Graham Norton, Garth Jennings and uh, Alexander Armstrong. Which brings me to the Adam and Joe show. This eclectic selection of sketches, pranks and toy remakes of, uh, toy remakes of films seemed to click with my sense of humour. It still has what I consider to be the best football song ever. Along with Spaced, which came along a bit later, made my Channel 4 my usual Friday night viewing. And with regard to newer content, I'm constantly flabbergasted with some of the crap that has come out more recently, with special mention to yep. Citizen Khan, which, yes, that was dreadful, and the pod-punching bag Mrs. Brown's Boys.
3: <laughs> oh, yes.
2: On a more positive note, Friday night dinner was a constant delight, and it's such a shame that we lost Paul Ritter. is hoping more gems emerge. Yep. I agree with everything in that one. Like in the late '90s, Channel Four on a Friday night was an absolute banger.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Channel Four is, I think, the place to go for best British comedy stuff now. I think they're the ones that kind of push the envelope as well. Still. Yeah, because I, I think just, the, I B-
2: the BBC make safe stuff now, don't they? They don't push. Yeah. They push. They don't have an edge like they used to. There's stuff on
0: BBC Three that's meant to be really good, but they just don't seem to. They, if they have something, they just chuck it out onto BBC Three. Like they're not really. Seem to care. They don't they don't care about putting it on prime time like they used to
2: anymore. No. Which more of a shame. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's everything.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for writing in. Um <laughs> and this is the end of the podcast. So thank you very much for listening. Uh if you oh, whatever, I can't even end the podcast either. You <laughs> know, come back, oodles. You <laughs> know.
2: Patreon, patreon.com slash mondescapism, yeah. Twitter. Go to that go to there go to patreon if you want
0: to get more content if you want to get more of this excellent content we have specials coming out every month we have extra content we have spoiler specials all that kind of jazz early access to deep dive lounge and smash that glass and do dragons dream of scorch sheep make sure you check out our youtube page we don't advertise that enough but if you want to go and just check out some of our reviews or videos or you want to you know, share them with your friends. Uh, listen to these guys talk about this. Then you can go get all that on our YouTube page and make sure you like and subscribe, guys. <laughs> but yeah, for now, join our Discord. Uh, that's uh, an episode. That's a podcast. If you are a patron, we'll see you in the green room. But for everyone else, bye
1: Bye. bye.
4: Editing.
3: Yeah, cut that bit out. Of course I am. <laughs> you Lots of editing
0: yeah, to do fine. in the first seven minutes.
1: <laughs> it's still early in the year. It's fine.
0: the podcast on your gadget. T-
2: of course I am.
4: <laughs> <laughs>